Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you from the Country Club of Jackson, where tonight the C Spire Connerly Trophy will be awarded. We're going to talk a ton about that as we move through the course of the afternoon. Glad to have you along for the ride. Will East is in the studio. May check in with Brian Scott Rippey a little bit later this afternoon as well. He is in Oxford Ole Miss having its uh, postseason football press conference. First time that uh, Matt Luke has met with the media uh, since the Egg Bowl on Thursday and uh, needed to be there just in case anything breaks. Don't know that there will be any uh, new news coming out of that today, but uh, just in case, that's where Brian Scott Rippey is this afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, whether you are are a farmer or not, then Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for 100 years. If you're a farmer and it's equipment needs, maybe you're enlarging the size of the farm, maybe refinancing an existing loan, maybe it's a crop loan, or uh, you've just got uh, plans to build a dream house on that perfect piece of property, you can find a branch location near you online at mslandbank.com or just give them a call, Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. Well, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, there was a golf tournament immediately uh, to our left from where we sit. We're in the uh, kind of the back room upstairs at the Country Club of Jackson. Windows all across the back of it. And, Borky, you were telling me this was where uh, Cameron Champ kind of worked his magic and birdied 18 on the final day to, uh, to get his first professional win. Yeah, hooked his tee shot left here. Uh, and I, I'm pointing as if the listeners can see what I'm talking about. But Paint a picture. He shot left, uh, right behind a, a big uh, tree off the left side of the fairway, so right along the cart path on the left side. He was directly behind the tree, hit a little punch hook around the tree, rolled up the front of the green to about 10 feet, made the birdie, and sealed the victory. And uh, he's been playing well ever since. The kid's a budding star. And uh, I get to relive that a little bit sitting here where we are. Yeah, beautiful day here in the uh, in the capital city. Not many golfers out. It was cold earlier today, but uh, well, it's it warmed feels up like nicely. You guys have got this covered, and I've got about an hour forty of daylight left. Mm-hmm. And you I got can, your sticks. I, I can get around nine comfortably okay. in, about, in about an hour twenty. So I'm, I'm going to caddy some for time you. left over. I'm going to caddy, and um, I'll so drive the cart. Y'all have fun, and I'm going to go on the course. Richard's got this. You know what? We did a whole week of work without him last week. It's his turn to carry the load. Yeah, That's we'll fine. Go play. See you guys. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, good to be with you this afternoon. The C Spire Connerly Trophy will be awarded tonight, and these are the finalists. We talked a little bit about this uh, yesterday afternoon. Let's run through the finalists, though, um, and give you uh, all of the names. And we'll start with Bellhaven, junior linebacker uh, Denarius Noel, three-year starter who led the Blazers with 70 tackles. He had 10.5 TFLs this year. And a good student as well, 3.8 GPA. 
for Delta State, their quarterback, Patrick Shegog, was the Gulf South, Conference, uh, Gulf South Conference co-freshman of the year, started the last eight games of the season, 1,722 yards and uh, 10 touchdowns. On the ground, he rushed it for 546. He had four touchdowns, total offense, 2,261 yards. For Alcorn State, junior quarterback Noah Johnson, Averaging 285 yards of total offense for a game. He threw for 1944, had 15 passing touchdowns, another 813 yards on the ground, and seven touchdowns, and a monster game coming up this Saturday. Alcorn State hosting Southern in the SWAC championship game. That's a big deal for those guys in Lorman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Alcorn is, is it's funny that, that, you know, growing up, Jackson State was so dominant. Now Alcorn has really become the preeminent SWAC program in the state. Yeah. And it, it has been for quite a while, in my opinion. For Jackson State, it is a, uh, a specialist, a place kicker and punter, Christian Jacquemin. He Love is that move. He is two-time SWAC specialist of the week. He had the uh, best season of his career, made 16 of 18 field goals. He was 15 of 16 on extra point tries and a good punter as well. Defensive guy for Millsap, senior linebacker Chandler Coleman led the majors with 69 tackles. He had 14 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, and uh, those were good numbers. Those ranked fourth and fifth, respectively, in the SAA conference this year. For Mississippi College, senior running back Tiberius Lampkin rushed for 778 yards, six touchdowns for the Choctaws. For Mississippi State, junior nose tackle Jeffrey Simmons. He was a 2017 first-team All-SEC selection, 2018 All-American. That was in the preseason. 55 tackles, 12.5 tackles for loss. The uh, Bulldogs obviously finished the year 8-4. and four. Leads All-SEC defensive linemen in tackles, despite constantly taking on those double teams. 20 quarterback pressures, 4 quarterback hits, 15 quarterback hurries, and a semifinalist for the Bednarik Award for the second consecutive year. Yeah, picked up his first sack of the season uh, last week in the Egg Bowl. Uh, he and Montez Sweat have been, you know, the dominant guys for this line. A lot of the the uh, stuff you said at the beginning, first team All SEC, All American. We're going to be saying that again in a few weeks about Jeff Simmons. Yeah, those are uh, certainly going to uh, be added to his resume. Yeah, you bring up Montez Sweat as well. When you start looking ahead to 2019 for Mississippi State. And you start talking about guys you got to replace. Those two are at the top that's, of the that's list. That's the top two for sure. Uh, even more so than quarterback? I think so. I think so because I feel, you know, Keaton Thompson has been here for a couple of years and then you feel like he's going to slide in or we'll see what happens with Kelly Bryant, you know, later next week. But I feel confident in that position. But you're going to have to have somebody step up because that's a lot of production from those two guys. And Simmons. Simmons sort of similar. Remember a few couple years ago with Robert Kimdiche, didn't have huge numbers, but you, his presence was felt. Yeah, because he he drew double teams, and then sometimes he drew triple teams. That's what's freed up a lot of states' defensive linemen to have these big years. For Mississippi Valley State senior wide receiver, running back, return specialist Booker Chambers did a little bit of it all. He rushed two hundred uh, two hundred sixty five yards rushing and three touchdowns. 43 catches for 554 yards and four touchdowns. Averaged almost 22 yards per punt return with a couple of TDs, and he averaged 25 yards per kickoff return. So a, a busy guy for Mississippi Valley State, Booker Chambers. For Ole Miss, junior wide receiver A.J. Brown, who was the 2017 Connerly Trophy winner and is hoping to join former quarterbacks Eli Manning of Ole Miss and Dak Prescott of Mississippi State is the only two-time Connerly Trophy winners. Uh, going into the season finale against Mississippi State, he led the conference in receptions. He had 81 of those. And uh, also in yards, 1,259. Six 
or more catches in 10 of 11 games going in again to the, the final game of the regular season. Only receiver in Ole Miss history with consecutive 1,000-yard seasons and the school's career receiving yards leader. Absolutely a special and transcendent talent who um, is going to finish his career without playing in a bowl game, Yeah, which is, uh, you know, those are the breaks, uh, I suppose. But uh, A.J. Brown kind of rewrote the record books. Uh, and following Laquan Treadwell, there were big shoes to fill, and he certainly slid in and uh, never missed a beat in that category. And for Southern Miss, I'm sorry. In spite of all of that, I still, as crazy as this sounds, feel like he was underutilized, especially this year in that offense. Seven receptions per game on average. You would have been trying to get it to him more? As much as humanly possible with a talent like that. Redshirt sophomore wide receiver Quez Watkins for Southern Miss leads the 6-5 and five Golden Eagles. They uh, finished with a win against UTEP. He was the top receiver, 67 catches, 831 yards, nine touchdowns, five uh, or more passes in all ten games this season, and also averages 11.5 yards per punt return, had an 81-yard touchdown in the season opener against Jackson State. And we talk about this every year when we are at this event. It's a great celebration of college football in the state of Mississippi, and it's a great celebration of some individual talents because you, you look at the teams across the entire state Everybody's got somebody, and most everybody's got multiple guys that could be up for this award. Are you a fan of the way they do it with, with each uh, school getting a nominee? Or do you think it should just be like it was in the beginning of this award where it was you know, they just nominated the best four or five players in the state? I, I, I kind of like the way it's done now. I, I certainly think when you look at, uh, for example, Mississippi State, I mean, you, you, you could look at Jeffrey Simmons, you could look at Montez Sweat, you could look at Nick Fitzgerald as three guys that absolutely you could nominate and be in the running for the award. But I like that everybody in the entire state is involved in this. So the schools get to decide who they want to nominate for the award. And, you know, maybe you can say, well, we nominated this guy a year ago, so we're going to nominate somebody different. You, you can decide how you want to handle that. But each school is responsible for who they put up for the award, and then you have media and scouts and fans that all get to be a part of the voting to, to decide who ultimately gets to carry home that trophy. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I like the uh, – I like that, you know – like you said, it's a sort of a celebration of college football in this state. We, we love college football. This is a football state. And to see all these guys here and all these different players from all these different schools. And players you don't get to hear about. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about these guys from Mississippi College and Millsaps. I, I like that there's this this forum that we, we get to celebrate them. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Mississippi State. You look at Ole Miss. A.J. Brown put up prolific numbers. Yeah. You look at Jordan Tamu's numbers this yeah. year, off the charts. Yeah. He could absolutely be here. You could and, put Greg Little here if you really wanted to. I mean, he's been a fantastic player for us. Yeah, certainly uh, certainly could. And that's the case with uh, with all the schools in the Magnolia State. So we'll spend some more time on the Connerly Trophy this afternoon. Got a, uh, a fun 5 o'clock hour coming up a, a little bit later today. We're going to chat with Deuce McAllister, who is the radio analyst for the Saints. He is a former Connerly 30. Trophy winner. Uh, we are scheduled, if the timing works out, to visit with both A.J. Brown and Jeffrey Simmons a little bit later this afternoon as well. Just getting started with you, we're live from the Ceasefire Connerly Trophy presentation. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi.
Don't lie. You're bobbing your head. At, at bare minimum, you're bobbing your head. You might even be just kind of bouncing in the seat of your car if you're driving along. Be careful doing that. Hey, don't forget you can text us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, it's 601-879-4395. Ceasefire, customer-inspired. Talk a lot about the Connerly Trophy. We are in Jackson today at the Country Club of Jackson for the Connerly Trophy presentation coming up tonight. That is not the only award, though, that will be handed out. Uh, also, you will have the presentation of the Kent Hull Trophy, and that is going tonight to Elton Jenkins. It's going to be presented by Kay Hall of the Hull Foundation and uh, Haley uh, Fasakerly from Intergy. So uh, congratulations, Elton Jenkins. What a remarkable season he had. Yeah, a guy that, you know, coming into the season, I knew there was some 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 buzz around him being, a, you know, one of the leaders for Mississippi State and a good player. But you talk to NFL people now, and I talked to Dane Brugler from The Athletic just a few weeks ago. He's put himself to where, in a position where if a couple centers go in the first round, he's got a good chance to be one of them yeah. in the NFL draft and has a, has a great chance to be an all-SEC guy. He's had a fantastic year. You know, when you start looking at the list of names of people who have won this award, uh, there it does a couple of things. One, if you've lived in the state of Mississippi for a while and you're a college football fan, it kind of takes you down memory lane. When you, you start kind of thinking back through some of the guys, going back to 1996 when the inaugural trophy was given out, Tregnell Thomas from Delta State was uh, awarded uh, that award in 1996. You had Stuart Patridge from Ole Miss, James Johnson, J.J. from Mississippi State in 1998, Deuce McAllister won it in 1999. We're going to visit with him. Uh, Josh Bright, who led Delta State to a national championship in 2000, put up remarkable numbers there. Uh, Eli Manning won it in 2001, 2002. Rod Davis from Southern Miss, what a great player he was. Dominant player. Eli Manning came back and won it again as a senior in 2003. In uh, in 2004, it was Michael Boley from Southern Miss. Jarius Norwood, a 2005 winner. Patrick Willis in 06. Damian Fletcher from Southern Miss in 07. 2008, the late Juan Joseph, quarterback at Millsaps College. Uh, won the award and after just a remarkable season. Anthony Dixon in 09, Chris White in 2010 from Mississippi State, Austin Davis, last Southern Miss player to win it, Austin Davis back in 2011. Bo Wallace won it in 12. Gabe Jackson, I meant giving it to uh, to a lineman in, uh, in 2013. Back-to-back wins for Dak Prescott in 14 and 15. And in each of the last two seasons, you've had an Ole Miss receiver win it. Evan Ingram in 2016, and last year was uh, was A.J. Brown. In uh, four of the six years that the Kent Hull Trophy has been given out, it's been Mississippi State linemen that have gotten it. Uh, Gabe Jackson, uh, Justin Sr., Martinez Rankin, and then this year it'll be Elton Jenkins. You also had Laramie Tunsil win it in 2014 from Ole Miss, and Fawn Cooper uh, win it in 2015 from Ole Miss as well. So let's circle back to a story from yesterday. During during the time that we were on uh, the air uh, the SEC released a statement about the Egg Bowl, and it was uh, from Greg Sankey. That w- we talked about the fact that the most pertinent information in there, the most immediately impactful information, was that there would be no uh, subsequent penalties, no subsequent suspensions. Flagrant personal fouls do not result in suspensions for subsequent games. Therefore, the, uh, the student-athletes who were suspended in the game um, – get a public reprimand. They get a, you know, a ruler across the knuckles, and they're told to uh, not do it again. But for Mississippi State, that means uh, guys that were, were kicked out of the game, 
uh, they're eligible for the bowl game. And that's big news for Mississippi State because that's your two starting cornerbacks, Jamal Peters and Cam Dantzler, yeah. would have missed the first half. And, and not knowing who you're going up against right now, but when you look at some of those, those options, you know, there's been some talk of mi- mixing them up with Penn State and Trace McSorley in that passing attack. You don't want to be missing your two starting cornerbacks in those situations. And it also said that uh, Cam Dantzler was misidentified right. in, in the whole deal and should not have been ejected regardless. I, I, somebody, I forget who it was, told me that they talked to Dantzler and, and they said, he was ejected for leaving the the bench, and to my I thought is if that's the yeah case, so were 160 other guys you could have thrown everybody out of that game. So it, obviously there was a mistake there, and it's glad I'm glad that the uh, the the conference at least came clean on that. It's just absolutely hilarious that in the same release, yeah, I mean not even separate releases, the same release, the SEC finger wagged at Ole Miss and Mississippi State because you guys are embarrassing and it's toxic and all that crap that they said in that release. In the very same one... You can't say that word here. This is a nice place. Oh, a lot worse is said around here, I promise you. <laughs> not on, not on this on floor, of course. Not on this floor. It's oh, on the, out it's there, the floor below yeah, for sure, for sure. But in the same release, they admitted that they ejected yeah. the, the wrong players. And, and there's no repercussions. There's nothing else... You guys are embarrassing. Oh, by the way, we ejected incorrect players. No big deal. They just focus on you. Not on us, yeah, what if that's who a, failed miserably. What if that again? was a close game? You know, State loses both starting yeah. corners. I mean, against Ole Miss's passing attack, that could have been a problem for MSU. Yeah. So, I mean, it just – But, oh, we don't have to worry about that. And, See, and then there was, there was the quote from the commissioner. He says, It remains disappointing to have seen the unnecessary actions during and after the Mississippi State at Ole Miss game on Thursday night. These actions are unacceptable. And my concern relates to the bigger issue of the repeated incidents before, during, and after games between these football programs. Now, as an aside, I know that Greg Sankey was in Oxford on Thursday night. I know that he also was in Starkville a year ago. For the uh, for the Egg Bowl in Starkville last year, so he's watched this uh, a lot of it from field level in the last two years. Goes on to say these incidents have become too common in this series. I will require both athletics directors to meet with me at the SEC office in the off season to review past issues and develop a plan for the purpose of creating a healthier environment for this annual game. My dad used to tell me when I was a kid. Not to point at somebody else's house unless yours is in order. Yeah. The same well, thing That's what we here. talked about last it, week. Don't finger wag at Ole Miss and Mississippi State unless your officiating situation is That's what we talked about last out. week with Joe Moorhead always says, you know, point the thumb, not the finger. And he, he says, you know, point at yourself. Get yourself taken care of before you start pointing at other people. Moorhead yeah. sounds a lot like my dad. Well, well but, <laughs> he's but much those, younger. I don't know that those two things are mutually exclusive. No, I agree. They're not. The, the league office still has to make determinations. If there's an issue with officiating, and I think we all believe that there has there, been an issue with officiating this year, there has been. it is the responsibility of the Southeastern Conference to get that fixed. It, it's too big a deal, and there's too much money um, that, that the league has at its disposal through TV deals and everything else to not have a better situation Agreed. with the officials on the field. But that doesn't mean you ignore everything else right. just because – in Borky's words, your house isn't entirely in order. But they, they, I agree with what Borky's saying that in, in the same release, it's a little weird. Yeah, do separate yeah. releases. Or, at least, or do separate releases, <laughs> or in your in the same release, say the officials got it wrong, and we will be reviewing the procedures that allowed that to happen. Okay, something simple. All right, so you put a poll out this morning. It was part of the Thunder and Lightning podcast, and yeah. you asked the question. Which of these three ideas could help dial down the Egg Bowl? Yeah, I took a lot of heat for this poll. The three options were a multi-million dollar fine, mm-hmm. team postseason bans for fighting, 
or do the trophy presentation in the locker room. Yeah. Or if you think there's a better way to fix it, what you know, write in answer as well. Okay, so why did you take heat for this? Uh, a lot of people. First off, there's a lot of people who say it doesn't need to be dialed down, which I sort of agree with. It's a it's a big rivalry. It's a very intense one. It may be the most intense one nationally, but I think it's going to sort itself out eventually. That said, the SEC doesn't agree with me, and they're the ones who make these kind of decisions. I don't agree with you either. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. So, for me, if you're going to do something, first off, you're not going to be able to – there's no, there's not going to be any benefit to these changes, right? There's not going to be like, okay, we make a change and everybody's happy. It's going to be the shadow of punishment is what changes things. Sure. So, for me, they needed to be – We're not rewarding you for good behavior. Right. We are punishing, punishing you, you and we are punishing so, you the, the, stringently for bad behavior. The first one that came to my mind was, and I, maybe I'm just an old school guy, I used to like the old trophy celebrations. I, I never liked the bring the stage out, things that they do for the Super Bowl. I want to see them in the locker room popping champagne. I always thought that was great. Smoking so, cigars. Smoke, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. So for me, I thought the idea of, look, everybody's off the field, and then I said the governor or, or whoever you want, a senator, somebody connected to the state of Mississippi, brings the trophy into the celebrating locker room. It's on the Jumbotron. Everybody's watching it. Great. Yay. Everybody's happy. Okay. That seemed like the least drastic, and that's what's winning the poll right now at 52%. Okay. Uh, 32%, I said a team bowl ban for fights. At the end of the day, you get, there's, there's some semantics in there. Obviously, you know, if somebody's on the field and there's some shoving, I'm not saying that that team has to lose a bowl ban. But if the team leaves the bench – Somebody leaves the bench, I could I could get behind the idea of maybe there's got to be some sort of big repercussions for that. Remember a few years back, I know Borky will remember, South Carolina Clemson had a huge brawl, and I don't think it was mandated by either No, league. it was self-imposed. It was self-imposed, but has there been a fight since? In not that, that I'm that aware part, of. Not that I'm aware of, right? No. The so that's front one. page of the paper on mm-hmm. that Monday morning mm-hmm. was a still image of a player laying down, face getting down, stomped, without right? his helmet on getting stomped by yeah. another one. Front page of the paper. That's dangerous. And then the, the one that I think is makes the most sense, because you know that everybody's about money these days, is a multi-million dollar fine. What if Ole Miss knew on Thursday they had five minutes to get everybody off the field or there's a $10 million fine coming? I promise you Bjork is pulling In, in the event of a loss or regardless? I would say if, in a situation where there's a trophy presentation happening, losers got to get off the field. Loser has to be off the field within five minutes of the right. of the final point. Or there's a there's a... I mean, fifty thousand dollar fine does nothing to no. the university. Five million dollars, Bjork is pulling people off the lo- get in the locker room. Let's continue this discussion because I, I want to go back and, and tell you why I disagree with the idea that it, the rivalry hasn't gone too far. We'll do that coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We are live from the Country Club of Jackson, where tonight you will have the C Spire Connerly Trophy presentation, the 23rd annual awarding of that uh, that trophy that uh, honors the legacy and the unbelievable on-the-field play of, uh, of the great Charlie Connerly. 
We're glad to have you along this afternoon. You can text the show, 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line, C Spire, customer inspired. You can also tweet us at Sports Talk, M-I-S-S. All right. So we were talking about the rivalry between Ole Miss and Mississippi State, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, if you prefer, and there's been a lot of reaction to that. One of the things that we talked about, hey, Dad, you said a second ago that you said there are lots of people that think it has gone too far. Am I, am I phrasing that the right way? Uh, that would be fair, yeah. That it's gone too far. And you said you don't really believe that that's the case. I don't. I kind of do. Okay. So here's a text message that, that I think dovetails nicely with this. Interested to hear if you think the rivalry, rivalry went too far last year as well. If not, when do you think the rivalry crossed the line? So the answer to your question is yes, I do. This has nothing to do, for me, with who won the game, whether it was Ole Miss in Starkville last year or Mississippi State in Oxford this year. Was D.K. Metcalf squatting like a dog and pretending to urinate on the field ridiculous? 100%. And that pours fuel on the fire. Was it over the top when Ole Miss tried to plant the flag, the Ole Miss flag, in the middle of the field at Davis Wade last year? Yeah, that's too much. That That's going too far. And all you're doing is continuing to pour pu- fuel on the fire and setting up retribution. Guess what happens? You plant a flag in your opponent's field, you better win next year because they're going to do it on your place. Absolutely. That's just how it works. So stop with all the stupidity. Here, here's my thing, and the reason that I think it's gone too far. It's it's actually pretty simple. I love the state of Mississippi. Like I, I I am proud of what we have in the state of Mississippi, and I think where this game right now is a national embarrassment to the state of Mississippi. This game in particular. How many rivalry games were we talked about this yesterday? How many rivalry games were there across the country? Almost all of them. Forty ish. How many fights did you see? You saw two. You, you, you saw the one in the NC State North Carolina game. And you see the one in Ole Miss Mississippi State, and I think. Ole Miss-Mississippi State as a game from a national perspective has become a punchline. That's all it was on Thursday night? Well, I disagree. I disagree. I don't think it's it's a punchline. I, I think that, you know, it's it's never, it's, it's never going to have the, the same respect or the cachet of the Iron Bowl or Michigan-Ohio State. I mean, not, I, but I don't think it has to, and I don't think Mississippi fans expect it to do. And when I say Mississippi fans, I mean fans here in the state of Mississippi, not of Ole Miss. I mean Bulldogs and yeah, Rebels alike. Yeah. Um, for me, I've been thinking about this a lot, obviously, since Thursday. And I think this. I think that we're, we're definitely in a hot spot right now. You know, it, it ebbs and flows. I mean, 100 years ago, this thing happened where Ole Miss fans... It's the reason take, we play for the trophy. Exactly. You know, we would, you know, Richard Cross the first and Brian Haydad the first might have been out there. I had a chair in my hand and you're trying to get the goalpost. Um, I think that in the coming years, the next couple of years... And I don't know what's going to happen at Ole Miss with Matt Luke, obviously. But uh, either Matt Luke's going to still be the coach or they're going to get a new coach. Once a lot of the Mullen and Freeze guys start to cycle out, I think it's going to bring itself back down. We thought that was happening anyway. This so, year. We talked about that at Media Days this year, that it felt like the, the rivalry. We talked about it last week while turn. you were gone. We talked, I mean, that was a big topic for it, us. Like, it and feels in fairness, different. You, you were both right on that because yeah. the rhetoric from both coaches did it not exist. Down, and until – that play happens, which the SEC. By the way, you talk about the SEC missing the, uh, yeah, the, the the guys getting ejected. They missed the fact that, that play should never. That's the the thing in all this that bothers me the most is that if the SEC refs do their job, none of the, we're not having this discussion right yeah. now. Yeah, but I think in the next year or so, 
when a lot of these players that have been here for the worst of it, for the NCAA stuff and all of this back and forth, when those guys start to cycle out and you've got more Moorhead guys and more loop guys on the rosters, it's going it's to bring itself back down naturally. I, I do agree that, and we'll see if it brings it. I, I don't think that it comes back down naturally without some serious leadership helping that happen. And, and it's got to be coaches, and it's got to be athletics directors and administrations, and maybe the SEC does have a role in that. I do think you're on to something with this particular group of players that has been involved in it kind of cycling out of the program. My only concern in that idea is that, okay, well, what have the new players witnessed? Right. They, they just think, oh, that's how this game is. You just fight. You just push. You just talk after every single play uh, uh, until the point that it boils over. And so somewhere along the way, the guys that have been involved in this and precipitated some of it, and just call the names that have been involved, A.J. Brown for Ole Miss, Demarcus Lodge for Ole Miss, A.J. Brown for obvious reasons, right. because of the fact that he's from Mississippi State and he played at Ole Miss, et cetera. Right. Leo Lewis's role right. a year ago in it at Mississippi State, and others that have been involved through the years, and the fact that the NCAA thing finally goes away, because whether or not it's true or not, Ole Miss fans and players and administration believe that Mississippi State had a large role right. in the investigation there's no, there's into no, Ole Miss. There's no getting around that both sides are going to believe what they want on the NCAA. That's it. That, 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 but as that, uh, that's another thing, as that gets in the rearview mirror, then I, I, I honestly do believe that. It may take a you know next year let might me, be another tough year, but let me ask it's going to slow itself down. Why is the Iron Bowl not like this? I think that because Nick Saban would never let it happen. There's a part. There's there's a big part of that okay. right there. Nick Saban, the, the administration would never let that happen. But it goes back to you know the fact that for so many years the Egg Bowl was all these two teams had, and the fact that there's something else to play for is really a new concept. The Iron Bowl has always had big stakes on line. How many SEC championships? Before there was the SEC championship game, there was the Iron Bowl. Yeah. That, that determined a lot of times who went to the Sugar Bowl. Do you think so, the stakes toned down the hostility? Well, I mean, did we have any of these incidents in 14 and 15? No. I mean, the closest thing we had to an incident in that, to my knowledge, was uh, Trey Elston's hit on Dak Prescott after the whistle. And that was a, you know, a bad play. I, you, know, you call it a dirty play if you want. But, but nothing happened of that. State didn't take the field to try to. I mean, that's Dak Prescott. That's the Golden Boy, and State didn't come out, come after Trey Elston in any way. The play, they, they hey, go back to the huddle, and that was that. This is an interesting tweet. Comes from uh, it's Dre P. He says, if Mississippi State and Ole Miss didn't snitch on each other, things would be better. Well, I'm, there's something to that. I mean, I, I guess because does that happen in the state of Alabama? Uh, it has in the past. Has it? Yeah, Gene Jokes, Eric Ramsey, those things have happened in the past. The NCAA approached an Alabama player in the Ole Miss investigation, and Saban shut that down. It wouldn't happen now. It wouldn't happen now. Saban, yeah. yeah and, and maybe the maybe the Nick Saban factor in all of this is, is what makes it a difference uh, right now. And this is another good point from Jonathan Eaton. There's not as many, a lot of there's not a whole ton of Alabama guys in the Iron Bowl. I mean, Alabama recruits so nationally. How many Alabama guys are they really playing? Auburn might have a few more. Yeah. But here in Mississippi, Mississippi State, look at the starting lineup for the Mississippi State. It's a ton of Mississippi guys. Sure. Well, then what needs to be done? Because a super stern public reprimand uh, and not. meeting with the ADs if is you going really, to do nothing. It's, it's what I said. If you really want change, you're going to have to really bring the hammer down on the next offender. 
And you have to tell you know you you tell Mississippi State now, if you lose that game in Starkville, you got five minutes to get off the field, or it's going to be a ten million dollar fine. And I promise you, they'll get off the field. You tell you know if Ole Miss is next year, they they got a chance to get back in a bowl game. They're five and six coming in, and they've got they've got the lead in the fourth quarter. And somebody says something to to Matt Corral, and he's thinking about making a move, and he's thinking, gosh, if I start a fight here, we might not get to go to a bowl. That's that's what's gonna that's what's gonna calm it down. You're gonna have to punish people. You can't. It's like Richard said. We can't reward for good behavior anymore. It's gonna have to be you screwed up, and now you got to pay the price. So Matt Luke's got a, a a press conference going on right now, and we may get into some of that a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, it's a little bit different, Matt Luke, than you've seen throughout the course of the season. Really, throughout the course of the two years that he's been the head coach, he he has gone with a much more emotional approach today. And apparently said, uh, with regard to the Egg Bowl, he said it's an emotional game. You have to look at what caused it, talking about the fight, and that's what's most important. All right, is he talking about the reaction to the play, or is he talking about what caused it in the fact that the play never should have happened and the referee screwed it up? I guess you can read into that whatever you want. I don't have a whole lot of context from that quote on yeah, Twitter. Just, we just have the quote there. Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, look, the... The Egg Bowl can be a fun game, and it can be a game that fans look forward to. Do you think the fan bases look forward to this game right now? No, they dread it. I, I Maybe think, not this year because State was it, obviously it, it, the better team. It depends team. on the fan base and, and the game. But if you, know? you, if I don't you think, think, think you're going to lose, it's miserable. I've always said about the Egg Bowl that the pain of law, the defeats is so much worse than the, ha- than the joy of the happiness of winning. Yeah. And, and you know, especially when it's in a situation like last year, where State was a big favorite, that's that's just that's gut wrenching to lose a game like that. Yeah, I, I think fans look forward to the game, but I think there's some there's some caution to that too. We've got Sports Talk Mississippi with you live from the Connerly Trophy presentation that is happening tonight at the Country Club of Jackson. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. And uh, Brian Scott Rippey is at that press conference that we mentioned a second ago in Oxford. More coming up. Renaissance Bank Studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on this Tuesday afternoon. We are live from CCJ, the Country Club of Jackson, where tonight you've got the 23rd annual C Spire Connerly Trophy presentation. And right now we are joined by Bill Blackwell. Normally that would happen on the Farm Bureau phone line where you can check out favorites.com and go with the home team. But Bill is sitting right here as we get set for the event tonight. He's the executive director of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. It feels like we were just doing this, like just a couple of weeks ago, but it's uh, a year since yeah. uh, since we've been together for this event. It rolls around very quickly. The uh, football season was much anticipated, and now we're at the end almost. So uh, it has come quickly. Certainly, um, Bill, I, I look at this event, and I don't know, I think this is six or seven a year, years in a row that I've, I've been here. 
as not just about handing out an award, but about celebrating college football in the state of Mississippi. Is, is that fair? Yeah, very much so. I think uh, it's a way to celebrate and honor all the hard work that uh, every school puts in to their program, uh, to the young men, to the uh, ones that the uh, coaches and staffs have nominated to be right. uh, candidates for this award, and uh, uh, just to put a bow on the uh, end of the season. We talked a little earlier about the the kind of the nomination process. There was a time where it didn't work the way it does right now. Right now, all of the schools submit a player. The schools get to decide who they want to submit for uh, the opportunity to win this award. There was a time where you might have had a couple of guys from one school and only a, you know a handful of players. What is it about the way that this um, award is presented now that makes the most sense? Well, there's been a as you say, a couple iterations sure. of how uh, the program was presented. Uh, this started back when the museum first opened, uh, has been a signature event of the Hall of Fame uh, ever since 1996. Uh it started out with uh, uh, Michael Rubenstein, who was the uh, executive director at that point, and uh, uh, they wanted to tie it to somebody from Mississippi, and Charlie's stellar career Kind of speaks well. for itself, doesn't yeah, it? It certainly does. And at that time, a lot of Charlie's former teammates were still around, and hence you've had... Uh, Frank Gifford and Kyle wrote and uh, Jackie Kemp came in one year. Uh, a, a number of people that kept that giant association uh, alive. Uh, the uh, way that players were selected and, and how they were selected has changed over the years. C Spire came on, I believe, in 1998 as our uh, sponsor for all of our uh, most outstanding player honors. And uh, uh, for the last six years, uh, we've had the fan vote included, which sure. counts for 10% of the total. And uh, it's always been basically decided by uh, the media that covers uh, college football in the state. Uh, and that's been uh, refined a little bit, but that's still the way it goes. So uh, the panel of media uh, submits their votes. Uh, we add in the uh, uh, 10% for the uh, fan voting. Right. And this year, I understand that the fan voting uh, drew an all-time record. We had over 44,000 oh, votes wow. cast uh, for their favorite players and uh, the uh, 10 nominees. We are at the Country Club of Jackson tonight. Uh, a year ago, this uh, happened at the Hilton. For many years, it had been at the Hall of Fame. We're visiting with Bill Blackwell, Executive Director of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. I was there just a month ago. It looks it looks fantastic as always, and I know you guys are constantly uh, adding to it and new exhibits, but this event has just kind of outgrown the, the space at the Hall of Fame, hasn't it? It, it really has. Uh, to uh, handle a crowd of uh, more than 220, sure. uh, it's just very uncomfortable because you've got to get the table so close right. and uh, uh, everybody is so packed in. So uh, we've taking it around, uh, and we still may take it other places in the future. I know uh, at times it's been uh, in Clarksdale, and times it's been in Vicksburg, times it's been uh, other cities around the state trying right. to uh, pass it around because we are a, uh, a statewide institution. Uh, but uh, obviously 
Jackson being centrally located is the best place for all the schools to get to, to get their players here and those kind of things. So uh, we uh, uh, ended up here at the country club uh, for this year's uh, uh celebration right. and uh, uh it looks great uh, in the uh, uh hall in there right now sports talk sports talk mississippi to the junction in the grove and to the top sports talk mississippi on super talk mississippi Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We are live at the Country Club of Jackson this afternoon, where tonight the 23rd annual C Spire Connerly Trophy will be presented to the top college football player in the state of Mississippi. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Right now, on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, our good buddy Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham. Hello, my friend. What's up? You're at a golf course? Well, I'm looking at a golf course. I'm not actually playing, but doggone, it looks nice out there. It's warmed up into, like, the low 50s. It'd be a good afternoon for it. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be bad. I, I skipped out today, but it wouldn't be bad. It was a little cold here today, a little cold and windy. Yeah, it was colder in North Mississippi as well. So I'm looking at 18 coming up to the clubhouse, and that's where uh, Cameron Champ hit, like, the 345-yard drive and then chipped it up to about eight feet and one. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't think I would play this course the way he did. I do know that. Yeah, those boys play a different golf course than you and I. There is no doubt about it. No question. All right, let's jump into this Auburn mess. So, Ryan, I was there two weeks ago leading up to the Liberty game. We talked to Gus. He just kind of gave the you know answers that you would expect him to give about his team. But he did talk a lot about the future. I guess that was the week, maybe two weeks ago, leading up to that Liberty game on Tuesday, when he kind of turned the page to 2019. He had the vote of confidence from uh, from the AD, also from the president, and then we get the weird story yesterday afternoon that maybe Auburn is about to push him out the door. There are legitimate conversations that are happening, and now reporting happening this afternoon that Gus Malzahn is actually agreeing to a reduced buyout. What the heck is going on on the plane? <laughs> well, this was kind of complicated because this is something I've never, to my memory, I can't remember seeing happen. And it really is kind of who you talk to as to who Auburn you talk to as to what people think is going on. I've heard everything from this is Auburn's way of telling us you need to find a job and you need to find it now because at best you've only got one more year left to this is a way for Auburn to basically – by your time before they have to jump back on the coaching carousel to giving Gus one last chance, but kind of hamstrung, not really kind of, you hamstrung him with the uh, staff issues because the other part of that report that you referenced from Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports, is that um, Malzahn also, any staff changes he has to make have to be um, revenue neutral. So basically they are not giving him any more money for staff changes. You, you pay what you're paying right now for any staff you want, so in the event he loses a coordinator like Chip Lindsey or, or Kevin Steele, he can't pay any more than what he's paying right now or it has to come out of his pocket. So um, there, there are a lot of different speculations. None of them are that things are going so well at Auburn right now that Gus Malzahn is being rewarded. This this is all basically the best case of hearing Gus Malzahn right now. He has been given one last chance to survive at Auburn. 
Ryan Brown on your radio. He is based in Birmingham, certainly knows what's going on with that Auburn program, and as well as the Alabama program as anybody in the state of Alabama. I'm curious what the rationale for Gus agreeing to a reduced buyout was. I mean, we're we're a year almost exactly removed from him signing a seven-year, $49 million contract with 75% of that guaranteed if Auburn wanted to fire him. So if they wanted to fire him today, they would – theoretically owe him a little over $30 million, why would he agree to renegotiated terms? Uh, The only way that makes sense, Richard, is that it was the stipulation that allowed him to keep his job and that there was no other job um, out there that is, you know, something he would leave Auburn for right now. So he doesn't have a good option. So his option is, A, to either get fired and take that money and then hope you can latch on somewhere next year when, when another job that you desire opens up that you, you leave with $32 million, or, B, you, you find some common ground with the people that really are ready to get rid of you, and it allows you one more year to try to either survive a change in president or a change in athletics or I'm not suggesting how one of those things are going to happen, or... You know, maybe you shock the world. Maybe you flip this thing around. Maybe you find your way to 10 or 11 wins. You beat Alabama or you beat Georgia. You shock the world and beat both of them. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure Gus Malzahn thinks, I've done it before, I could do it again. And he, he does seem to be a guy with, when his back is against the wall, he does some of his better work for whatever reason. So, I, I mean, hmm. I think the only way it makes sense that you do this is that it was the only way you could keep your job. And right now, keeping that job looks better than being on the job market with $32 million in pocket. That's, that's the only way this makes sense. So, so that says to me this is a guy who desperately wants to coach football. He's not worried about being rich and going fishing or going and buying an island somewhere. He wants to be a head football coach. I, I mean, I think it's all he's ever known. And he is, you know, a lot of people look in this state and they see Nick Saban as a guy that is, wholly consumed by coaching football, and they're correct. He, that's, that's, that is him. But Gus Malzahn is in the same way. He just approaches it differently. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, works long hours, is at the office all the time, is really, really tough on his staff as far as, you know, length of work days and, and you know, lack of vacation and things like that. They, they don't take breaks. I mean, that is a staff that they – I will say this, their lack of – success is not because they didn't work hard or, or spend a lot of time working. It's not because they take a lot of vacation. They get after it. So he's only consumed by football. So, yeah, I mean, that's a guy that I I think he, he worries what he would be without football. It's all he's ever known from, you know, his high school days in Arkansas to now. He's always been a coach. And, yeah. you, you know, you know the, 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 the mass amount of money, I mean, he's still making $7 million a year. So it's not as if, you know, he looks at that money and says, this is my only hope is to take this money and get out of here. I mean, he's still making really, really good money. So yeah, I, I think he would put it as a chance to continue doing what I love at maybe the highest level I will ever be. And, you know, worst case scenario, I'm still making $7 million to do this. And if I lose $15 million a buyout, you can't lose what you never had. I never had that money. That's an interesting way to look at it. I don't know if you actually have or have seen a copy of the contract. Is this one of those contracts that has offset language in it? So so that if Gus Malzahn were fired and then he went and got another job, that would affect the amount he got in the buyout? Or is it a fully guaranteed deal with no offset language? I'm not 100% certain of that answer. Here's the one thing I do know, Richard, is that half of whatever buyout is due to him in 30 days. 
So there would obviously right. be no no offset in that because I come to him in, in one lump sum in thirty days. Um, I, I would guess, and I have not seen the contract, so I don't know the answer to this. But if there were offset language, I guess it would be in that second half of the buyout, um, which, if I am not mistaken, is due over a four year period. So there yeah, could I think be it's lump sums once a year for four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there could be potentially some offset in that. But once you've paid that lump sum in thirty days. Um, my money's in my bank account. <laughs> you can come after it. I'm not giving it back. <laughs> that's right. You've already that check clear the bank, my man. So, uh, yep. so yeah, he gets he, he gets fifty percent of it in, within thirty days. So if there is any offset, it's in those lump sum payments over the next four years. Let's switch gears for a second. SEC championship game coming up this weekend in Atlanta, Georgia, and Alabama. Obviously, Alabama's undefeated. Georgia with the one loss. I'm looking at this one and, and feel like this has a chance to be a really fun and interesting game. Does that mean I'm looking at it the wrong way, or do you agree? No, I mean, I, I think it's got elements to be that. The, the, two, the concerns on each side, um, I think the concern for Alabama is um, the rush defense was – Interesting against Auburn is, I guess, the way I would put it. Auburn moved the ball on the ground and kind of abandoned the run when it was still having some success and went to the pass game. That was before Auburn got way behind. They weren't passing because they were way behind. They were still in the game when they kind of abandoned the run. But they had some success on the ground. And I think you look at that and say, you know, most teams didn't this year. LSU certainly did not. Mississippi State did not. But if if Georgia, with those running backs, much better run game and offensive line than Auburn, could find some success on the ground, they may have something against Alabama, and Fromm has been playing very well at those. I think if you flip it around for Georgia, they are really bad at pressuring the passer. They just do not get any pressure from the front four on the quarterback, and that forces them to blitz. And, boy, you blitz to a tongue of Loa, he can eat you alive. I don't care how good your secondary is. So I think those are the two big concerns, Richard, that if Georgia can run the football, but then if, all, if, if Georgia then can't get pressure on Alabama, I think you could see some points scored in this game. So I still think Alabama wins the game, but I do think it'll be a game that will have some points scored. I don't think it will be your old-fashioned SEC slugfest. I think this is a game that the winner gets into the 30s and the loser could potentially be in the 20s. If that turns out to be the case, then this could be one of the more entertaining SEC championship games. I think back to that Georgia-Alabama game, uh, you know, where Aaron Murray comes up short at the end is maybe the best SEC championship game that we've had. I think there's yeah. an argument to be made for that. This one could be in that realm, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a, to this day, that's probably the best game I've ever been to. That was a phenomenal football game, and it's really the last good SEC championship game we have. I know you go every year. You haven't seen a good one in a while, have you? Yeah. Um, so no, it's been a while. I, I think, Certainly hope it yeah, changes yeah. this year. Yeah, I think, I think it could be a really good one. So, you know, once you get done with your rapid pick, you know, uh, unlike us commoners, I think you'll end up watching a good football game. Well, my question is, am I going to see you at Kevin Rathbun on Friday night? Because I will be I there. I couldn't get a reservation. I've, I've had to slum it down to another street house. I tried to get a reservation. 9.15 was the first time I could get out. I mean, I should have said, oh, I know it's uh, across. Can I get a 7 o'clock? Yeah. We'll, we'll pull up a chair and you can join us. Thanks, Ryan. All right, boy. That's Ryan Brown from WJOX in Birmingham. Interesting stuff on Auburn and a little bit of an interesting preview there to the SEC championship game. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi.
Pitcher Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you from the Country Club of Jackson, where tonight it's the 23rd annual C Spire Connerly Trophy Award presentation. The uh, the finalists this year, really good list of guys. We uh, talked about that earlier in the show today. We'll circle back to that coming up in the uh, in the five o'clock hour as well. Um, we're talking just a moment ago with with Ryan Brown. Uh, from WJOX, and I know guys will kind of get to more of the uh, of the college, or excuse me, of the SEC championship game conversation as the week goes along. Do you guys think I'm crazy in thinking that this is going to be a really competitive game? No, I don't think that at all. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I think I think Georgia knows this is it. They don't have another chance. This isn't you know they if they want to go to the playoff, they want a chance at a national title, they have to beat Alabama. And I think that's that makes them a little dangerous. Okay. And Fromm is playing really really well the past few weeks. He has. And if you have got a good quarterback, you got a chance to win. It's just, it's just that simple. Alabama has the better quarterback for sure, but Fromm is good enough to keep his team in the game. Feels like he never makes a mistake, which is really kind of the case with both of those quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, that that and maybe that's that's what we need to look for, Richard, is the team that makes the first mistake might be on the ropes pretty quick. What do you think, Bort? I want to see Tua in a close game again. Because the only time we've seen it was again. when he came off the bench and saved oh, okay. the day in the in the championship game last year. But we haven't seen it since. We have no idea outside of two quarters, which if you look at it, he, he won the game, but that certainly wasn't his best. Yeah, I want to see him in a close game, in a game where from start to finish the game is in doubt. And if this is it, we don't know how he's going to react just yet. Probably just fine because he does everything right. Yeah, he, but he appears to have ice water him. in his veins. Yeah, well, he's, he's got, got the pieces around him that he shouldn't worry. Sure, but this will be the. It should be the first game from start to finish that he's played in that the game is in doubt. And it's something Ryan hit on a second ago that it's crazy how Georgia's pass rush has disappeared from last year to this. You think about last year, and obviously you know why Roquan, Roquan Smith and and those guys are, are gone onto the NFL. But Georgia, they, they can't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback without blitzing a ton. And so that opens up a lot for that Alabama receiving core, which might be the best in the country. It's going to be very interesting, Kirby Smart's game plan uh, defensively for this game. Uh, Jeff and Laurel on the C Spire text line, Alabama is going to walk all over Georgia. That's possible. I mean, it, it is possible. possible. Anything's possible, but... Just don't anticipate that. Georgia is good enough to keep this game competitive for for a while. Georgia's only loss this year. It's a road loss to LSU, 36-16. It was a day where very little went right for Georgia, and LSU probably played its best game of the entire season. That's a talented LSU team. You've seen enough from both teams since then to call that an outlier. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. All right, so so with regard to the college football playoff, four teams are going to get in. We get the uh, the new rankings coming up uh, right after we finish on the show tonight. So let, let's pretend that chalk holds, that all the favorites win this week, that Washington beats Utah, although I don't know that that one really matters, no. that Oklahoma, who is a 7.5-point favorite against Texas, wins, which would be avenging a loss earlier this season to Texas, lost that with 48-45, that Alabama beats Georgia, Bama's a 13-point favorite, that Clemson beats Pittsburgh, is a 26-point favorite, and that Ohio State beats Northwestern, Ohio State a two-touchdown favorite in that ballgame. Assuming that those things happen, you have Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame 3. Who is number 4? Is it 
Ohio State or Oklahoma. You know, on, on our rundown here, it says who deserves that number four spot. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Deserves is Georgia. Yeah, deserves is Georgia. I think Georgia's they should be that's what the committee should do. Well, but that's not going to happen. But that that's their job, right? But you, so you and I, if Georgia you and I both is the fourth, no, that's not going to happen. But if Georgia is the fourth best team in the country, and they don't make the playoff, what's the point of the committee? I mean, I get what you're saying because then you could just have computers spit out the results. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I could, I, I do, but. That's not going to happen. For me, I would put Oklahoma in there. I think that they are probably, after Georgia, the team that most likely is the best team in the country at number five. Let's play this out. Um, because I hear what you're saying, and I, and I think Borky actually makes a really good point there. Of it's about getting the four best teams. Right. Let's say that Georgia-Alabama is an absolute heavyweight title fight. Okay. And Alabama's I, – I, I don't think I can with a straight face say Alabama kicks a field goal to win it because they've had too many issues in that particular part of the game over the last few years. So let's say Alabama scores a touchdown in the final 30 seconds to win 27-24. Okay. It's just one of those – just an epic game. Okay. And it's clear that those might be the two best teams in the country, but certainly they're two of the best four teams in the country. Right. And then let's take it beyond that and say that – yeah, Ohio State beats Northwestern, but it's ugly and it's sloppy and it looks like the Ohio State that we thought we saw most of the year, not the one that played against Michigan. Yeah. And that, yes, Oklahoma beats Texas, and it's a fun game to watch, but you're reminded once again that Oklahoma has absolutely no defense whatsoever and right. they win 54-51 over Texas. Yeah. O- Oklahoma has one win this year that's noteworthy. Mm-hmm. And they gave up almost 600 passing yards to Will Greer in that win. Yeah, I guess well, West Virginia. If they beat Texas, that would be a good win for me. Texas is, yeah. is a good football team. It would be avenging the loss. You know, as people well. always talk about. So, can, so in that scenario, yeah, can you make a case for Georgia being put in with two losses? I can make a case, but I don't think it'll happen. Okay. I, the one thing that bothers me is this: we always hear about you know if you lose if you lose late, there's too much weight put put on it. I think there's too much weight being put on Michigan, Ohio State. Ohio State has not been good this year. They struggled almost all season long. They got blown out by Purdue. And then they beat a Michigan team that maybe was a little bit overrated. I mean, I think you can look at that game and see that they were. Michigan really played two decent. They looked slow. They looked slow. They looked one-dimensional. Um, you know, they, look, look at who they played this year. And They played Notre Dame. They lost. They played Ohio State. They lost. They bookended their season with the two best teams they played, and they lost both games. I think Ohio State's getting a little bit too much bump for beating this Michigan team. Going into last week, I thought Oklahoma had a lock on the fourth spot if they won out, and I still feel that way. Hmm. Maybe that's just me wanting to see Kyler Murray versus Tua and wanting to see that Oklahoma offense versus the Alabama defense. Now, that said, Alabama will shred them if they play. But I'd like to see it. So two really flawed football teams. People underestimate how athletic Ohio State is. Yes, Michigan looks slow because in relation to an offense like Ohio State's, they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there aren't many like that. It's Even though they've been bad this year, it's, it's all defensively. I mean, Dwayne Haskins showed you why Joe Burrow had no chance at the job, despite people telling you that he almost won the job. Not a chance. That was Dwayne Haskins' job, yeah. and that was his team from the, the second that JT Barrett left the program, it yeah, was Dwayne Haskins' absolutely. program. They're both incredibly flawed, and it's both on the same side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just, just for me, the, of course, at Ohio State, you know, losing uh, Nick Bosa. I mean, anybody loses that he's the best player. He's a potential number one overall pick. Anybody who loses their best player is going to step back a notch, but they step back more than what the talent on that roster should have allowed. Yeah. Imagine if Alabama, with all their talent, was just bad defensively. It wouldn't make sense. Ohio State has better players than what they are giving us defensively. We get a text, if Georgia wins, does Alabama get in? That's a They hard are yes. 100% in. Alabama can lose this this weekend and, and still get in, regardless of how it happens. I, well, I, mean, I think I, so. I don't. I don't think they're going to lose fifty to nothing. No, yeah, it, that, that's fair. But if, if if they did, they're in. I mean, they are. They have been the best team all year. One loss does not change that for me. And we get a, a question about how good Oklahoma is offensively. They may be the best team in the country. Yeah, but I mean, they they really struggled with Texas Tech, a team that fired their coach. Mm-hmm. They they really struggled. Uh, in Bedlam against one of the worst Oklahoma State teams that Gundy's probably the worst Oklahoma right. State team he's coached. So, so let's spin this forward. Let's give Oklahoma the number four spot. Mm-hmm. Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. What does Oklahoma, the best offense in the country, in your words just a second ago, do against Alabama's defense? They put up some points. They might get two or three touchdowns. But they might not stop Alabama the they, entire They will game. lose that they, game. They would never once stop Alabama. They would lose something like 55-21. to 21. It, I think they'd score more than 21, right. but point still stands. They would not. Got to 31. They, they would not stop not Alabama. They're not ever going to stop Alabama. Last year, the Sugar Bowl was awful. Yeah. That was Alabama yeah. against Clemson. Boring game. But the Rose Bowl was one of the best games in the history of college football, yeah. certainly in recent memory, with Georgia and Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. Could either of these first-round games live up to that Georgia-Oklahoma game, Clemson-Notre Dame or Alabama against Oklahoma. You never say never because you don't know. You got to play the game to find out. But the Oklahoma Alabama game, I just feel that Alabama would dominate. You you would feel it from the beginning of the game. And then Clemson Notre Dame, honestly, sort of blah for me. Think? I, I think Clemson would dominate. Them, to be honest with you. So you think it would look- give up a lot of yards in the air? They do, but that defensive line would, would run wild on on Notre Dame. I think they get a lot of pressure, and Trevor Lawrence would go ahead and start making his claims that hey. Next year, we're going to have one of the best Heisman races ever. Tua versus Trevor Lawrence, that's coming next season. That's going to be a lot of fun. Tua trying to win consecutive Heisman trophies. And we should get a taste of that in the national championship game. That should be the the launching point for that incredible race. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. We'll talk a little basketball coming up next. Looking ahead for what's coming up for Mississippi State. Also looking ahead for what's coming up for Ole Miss. Interesting stuff on the horizon. Sports Talk Mississippi with you live from the Ceasefire Connerly Trophy presentation that is happening tonight at the Country Club of Jackson. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. If you watched UCF and USF on Friday afternoon, you saw the gruesome injury to UCF quarterback Mackenzie Milton. More information has come out about that today thanks to a a release from his family. Not only did he sustain a traumatic right knee injury, he also injured a nerve and had blood flow issues as a result. Now, you had some doctors online that were speculating that the reason that he was so quickly taken to the hospital was because that appeared to be some sort of a dislocation, and in that scenario, scenario you have blood flow issues. And so 
the immediate concern, and apparently they popped it back into place on the field, which is ugh. Just thinking thinking about that, man. Um, The immediate concern was getting the blood to continue to flow so you don't ultimately lose your leg. Yeah. So the family provided a little more detail today. They thanked the doctors and nurses and trainers for their prompt attention, said he underwent immediate surgery to repair the blood flow problems on Friday night and will have reconstructive surgery to repair his knee at a later date. Took a helmet into the knee while scrambling. Leg bent at an awkward ankle, uh, angle. He's taken to the hospital there in Tampa. In the family statement, his blood flow has been restored to his right leg, and his nerve is injured but intact. He is recovering and healing and is receiving the best medical care. At a later time, he will have reconstructive surgery to repair his knee. Thanks for everybody. He'll be cheering his teammates on on Saturday as they play for a uh, an AAC championship against Memphis. Will he ever play football again? Well, let, me so. let me ask you this, and, and Borky, you might know this. Cause you remember a few years ago with the Saints uh, against the Bears, Zach Miller, the tight end, had a similar injury, and, and they oh, had, yeah, they had to get brutal. him off the field quickly, and, and, and he was worried about losing his leg. Has he come back? Let's I don't find bl- out. I know Teddy Bridgewater had a similar injury because they thought he was going to yeah, lose his leg. Yeah. So, Let's I mean, find out. It, it, today with medical. And, and Teddy Bridgewater's was a non contact injury. Yeah, he just went right. down. Um, when you you know today with medical technology being what it is, I would never say never, but he's got a long road back. And here's a guy you know he's out of college eligibility, so he's he, am I right? He was a senior, correct? Mm, I think Mackenzie Milton was a junior. Right, if he's a junior, then we'll see where it goes. But gosh, I mean, you, you, he might be out a full year in recovery. You might not be able to come back until 2020. Yeah, Zach Miller has still not returned, but yeah. he's working his way back. Working his wow. way back. I mean, it's it's it's, it's going to be a long road back for him. You know, we wish him the best, obviously, but. I would I would say and you know just I'm not a doctor obviously but I would say his uh, his football days uh, might be behind him. We'll we'll hope for the best though. Yeah, we had somebody was texting in about Zach Miller and yeah, mentioned that he's working his way back. That ESPN did a special on him this past week. That was one of the worst injuries ever. And Bork, you probably remember this from watching the game. Not only it was horrific to watch, and normally they don't replay those. But on the catch that he made, they had there was a, a challenge. So they had to keep replaying it as they tried to determine if he had made the catch. I must have watched it eight times. It was one of the grossest things ever, and I'm glad he's doing better. Hopefully he will get back on the field soon. What do you do as a TV producer in that situation? If it was up to you, what would you have done? Because it was a touchdown or no touchdown challenge. Yeah. So do you show it over and over because the play was critical in the game, or do you say, look, they're challenging the ruling on the field because of the injury. We're not going to show it to you. Yeah. We'll just let you know what they decide when it's over. In the situation of a challenge on a touchdown, you've got to show it at least once. Yeah, you, you got to take it now. If, if there like, is a this way, this is going to be graphic, but we feel like we need to show you so you can get an idea of the play. You know, if there's any way to cut out the injury part of the replay and get to you know like a freeze frame of what they're looking at, then that's what you try to do. But in the in the case of a common play, you're not gonna you're not gonna show that again. Right. I I don't always agree with that. Um, but that is the direction that uh, producers go. Yeah. It's erring on the side of caution, basically. Because yeah. um, you don't know who's watching. I mean, kids watch yeah. football. They don't want to see somebody's leg get nearly taken off. Um, did they replay the Alex Smith injury? Surely they just they never went back to that, did they? Um, on I was watching it on Red Zone, uh-huh. and the uh, – what's his name? Scott Hansen, the host, caught it. 
and was telling them, no, no, stop, don't play it. And then they came back to it and showed it later. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So so he he saw the injury and told them to stop, and then they cut away to a different game and came back and showed the play again. Well, he may have been overruled. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you may have producers that uh, that say, no, you are going to do it. Um, a, a response on the text line, you don't show it more than once. That's from Casey in Starkville. Um, because, you know, the deal, the deal is you're telling a story. You're, you're documenting what happens on the field, and injuries are a part of the game. Yeah. You just kind of got to use your, your best judgment as to whether or not, okay, does it really make sense if, if this kid's mom is not at the game and is watching? Yeah, yeah. Does she want to see this again? If his grandmother or his uncle is at home, are, are we doing the family um, an injustice by showing the injury again or not? And then there's another perspective, Borky. I <laughs> uh, don't know who this is from, but it said, kids totally want to see legs dangling. Gross is what kids love. Source, I taught first grade for eight years. My kids don't want to see it. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you may be on to, uh, on to something there. Uh, some hoops talk. Let's, uh, let's do that for a second. Mississippi yeah. State got a win last night. Uh, no issues against uh, Alcorn State. 88-65 was the final Mississippi State got, let's see. A bunch of guys in double figures. Nick Weatherspoon had 17. Lamar Peters had 17. Reggie Perry had 16. 14 for Quindary Weatherspoon. And then 10 for Tyson Carter. So a bunch of different guys scoring in double figures last night. Uh, had a double-double for Reggie Perry with 16 and 11. I, I guess there are a lot of different ways we could go with this. There, there's something, though, that, that jumped out to me uh, in the, the Mississippi State game that I did a couple of weeks ago. Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard are grown men as true freshmen. You know, you might want to tune in to the Thunder and Lightning podcast tomorrow because there's a long topic about that. We, oh, yeah? We, we, I am really, really impressed. The, the cliche, right? They don't look like freshmen. Those two really don't and look like freshmen. Robert Woodard That's a is grown man. chiseled. That's a grown man. And then Perry, last night I talked about this on the, on the pod, there's a, there's a moment where there's a ball, there's good ball movement from Alcorn and there's a sh- open shot on the perimeter. Perry leaves his guy down low and, and runs out to challenge the shot. And sitting where I, I sit on, on press row, you realize how long he is. Yeah. I mean, he has he's got no shooters getting up over him when if he's fully extended like that. Those two guys, you know, obviously it's early. Obviously the competition's not great. But in this stretch of games coming up, if they can continue to play like this, that's something to be said. You know, with Abdul Adu being out these past two games, it's, it's sort of telling to me that the decision was not to go small and put Kundari Weatherspoon at the four or something of that nature. It was, let's bring Reggie Perry into the starting lineup, and he's played really well. Um, crowd any better last night? I think so. I mean, Monday night, the Christmas parade was, was yesterday in Starkville. Uh, Trump was in Tupelo, so I think that may have affected. But I, it was half full. So for a Monday night against Alcorn, I mean, really, what are we trying to get at there? I thought I thought it was better. I, they got the big game with Dayton, and then they play McNeese next Tuesday. Yeah, we'll see what that happens. But again, I'm sort of circling that fifth, the fifteenth against Cincinnati night game. Yeah, if you're if you get a, don't have a big crowd for that one, I'll probably be willing to write it off at that point. All right, Friday at Dayton, big game. You've been there, right? You've been to that atmosphere? Yes. First of all, there will be 12,000 people yeah, there. They come to they come to play. It's an unbelievable basketball environment. And second, Dayton's good. A good team. I got a guy named Josh Cunningham down low that is an absolute load. And um, I think they, uh, the, a wing player, Crutcher, I, I think is his name, he was really, really good in, uh, in their win against Butler uh, last Wednesday in the Bahamas. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. 
The Tuesday game against McNeese State shouldn't be anything there. Then they go on the road, uh, play at the Prudential Center in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the 9-11 classic yeah. game. And uh, going to play Clemson. Clemson's a good team. They lost last night, though. They lost to Nebraska. Did they? Yeah. So that that's a loss there. And then, like I mentioned. Where was that? I don't know. Was that at Nebraska? I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, if Borky wants to look it up, he's welcome to. <laughs> and then we don't, you know, you don't have it here on the uh, the list, but like I said, the next game after that Clemson game is the Cincinnati game. Right. And then here's another thing to, to keep, keep in mind. The next game after the Cincinnati game, they play Wofford, who beat South Carolina by 20 points last night. So this is a heck of a stretch. I agree with everybody who's saying, look, the, the, the season's not made in November and December. I get that. But this stretch of upcoming games, if MSU wants to be considered a tournament team, if they don't want to have to play on the bubble all season, they need to win some of these games coming up. You're right. Of this next five, they really need to be three and two or better. Nebraska beat Clemson 68-66 at Clemson. That's a big win for Nebraska. Last night. Uh, So Ole Miss coming up, trying to bounce back from the loss to Cincinnati. They will play San Diego tomorrow. Um, That game, I think think is at 6.30 tomorrow night, Ole Miss and San Diego. San Diego's 5-1 and one on the year. Then on Saturday, they will play ULM, and, and all the rage is they are debuting the powder blue basketball uniforms. They look good. I don't like the, the new movement in basketball uniforms where it's just a solid logo in the middle. Like the I wanted, script M? I want a name or something. Yeah, give me something that's long across instead of just one big image. Like the San Antonio Spurs have just the spur, the spur. on their yeah. jerseys, and I hate it. Put spurs across the chest. Otherwise, I them guess. using powder blue is always a good idea. I guess you like what you like. It's a good color. And you sell more of them, and it's just something That's new. That's the main thing, right? We're going back to money, money. right there. More you jerseys you can put out, stuff. the more you're selling. Saturday the 8th, Ole Miss will go on the road to Illinois State. That's a return game. You remember they hosted Illinois State last year, and that was the game that Andy Kennedy and the coach at Illinois State set up via Twitter when Illinois State was complaining the year before about not getting into the tournament because they couldn't get anybody to pay them. So this is the return game there. Got more coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio live for the Ceasefire Connerly Trophy presentation tonight, Country Club of Jackson. This is your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you from the Country Club of Jackson, where tonight you have the 23rd annual C Spire Connerly Trophy presentation. To talk a little bit more about that, uh, we welcome Dave Miller from C Spire. It's been a while. Nice to see you. Yeah, same here. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, always fun, Dave, to visit with you. 23 years that uh, that this award has been going on. We talked with Bill Blackwell a little earlier, and I think one of the things that, that's important to remember, yes, there's an award to be given to the outstanding player in the state of Mississippi, but this is so much about celebrating college football in our state. It really is. When you think about you know, I, I, for a long time, until 15 years ago, I lived in another part of the country out on the West Coast. And, you know, I, I got to see some of the products that came out of Mississippi, but I never related them back to this state. And now that I've lived here for 15 years and am a resident, 
<clears throat> and a citizen here, I've realized the special place this is. And, and there, there's something in the water or something because the, Mississippi overreaches all the time in terms of its population. There's about 3 million people in the state. And when you look at the numbers, you know, maybe 1% or 2% of players that play high school, college football go on to the next level or, sure. or play high school to go on to the Division One college and then on to professional football. And Mississippi is always up there. You know, way over over its uh, size when compared to the rest of the country. Yeah, so. the the per capita numbers and making that that jump are uh, just about as good as you'll find anywhere in the country. Um, we've talked with you, with Jim, with Hugh in the past uh, about C Spire's commitment to one the state of Mississippi, but two athletics, and this is a relationship now with the the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and the Outstanding Player Awards that really goes back almost two decades. Really does. In, f- in fact, when you look at it, when you think about it from from our perspective, this this is kind of who we are as a company. You know, there's a lot of competition in for telecommunication services, for wireless services, and a, a lot of, a lot of companies choose different strategies on how to differentiate themselves. But we've always been about customer service and always been kind of thinking like the customer thinks. And so for us, it's really it's really about relating and having a relationship with our customers and when you think about it uh sports and particularly football in the state of mississippi is what drives that relationship people are very passionate about it i mean you can't go to a lot of towns in mississippi on a friday night no. and find anything open because uh they're all at the football game and the same thing on saturdays you know college football is huge in mississippi uh no matter what level you're playing it at division one or you know uh any any there's a lot of private colleges in the state too so it's just it's just something that we feel like it's a natural for us because our customers are so passionate about football dave miller is the senior manager for media relations at ceasefire all right you're going to go ahead and just break the news go ahead go ahead and let us know who, who's going to win the ceasefire connerly trophy tonight well first of all i don't know and if i did know i couldn't tell you but uh, I, I just was giving you the opportunity. I, I, I thought I, I'd throw it out there. Well, I tell you what, I, every year, and, and one of the things that I, I really appreciate is the relationship and the partnership that we have with the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and yeah. Museum. They do a great job every year uh, of working with the schools and getting the schools to participate and continue to participate in the program. Now, I can't, I can't remember. Uh, a year where I haven't been impressed with all the finalists that come from all the schools at all the levels. And obviously there's, there's different levels of play, you know, different leagues and different conferences and that kind of thing. But, but the one thing that is constant and consistent with all of them is just the quality of the players, not just their play on the field, but who they are as people and who they are, you know, the character that they, they exhibit when, uh, when they're here, and uh, you know, I, I know that that's consistent with who they are, and, and that's the thing that really is uh, is great for me because those folks, if they go on to play at the next level or they go to play professionally, they're going to be representing in some form or fashion Mississippi. Several years ago, fan voting became part of the equation, and my understanding is that you had the the biggest numbers ever this year leading up to the award. We did. We we've, we've really worked on that hard. We try to make it simpler and easier. That's who we are as a company. You know. Sometimes uh, there's complexity behind the scenes, but for for the fans, they just want to vote. They want to participate. They want to have a say, and you know who their favorite players, you know where they, uh, where you know what, what kind of recognition they get, and whether they they ultimately get selected as the winner or not. So we've we've been really pleased with that. Uh, you know, we had over. 
44,000 votes this year from fans. Uh, that's great. That's the highest number we've had, and we're, we're going to continue to grow on that. We're, we're using that as an encouragement and as an indication that fans really want to continue to have a say. It's a weighted 10%. It's not the, you know, it's, it's not, it's not 20%. It's not 30. It's not 50%. Still, the, the beat reporters and, and folks that cover these teams throughout the year, they make the final decision, yeah. and they have the biggest voice in who gets to be the winner. A couple of hours from now, you will find out who the winner is. An outstanding list of finalists from the uh, colleges and universities all across the state of Mississippi. Always good to see you, Dave. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. I appreciate it. Dave Miller from C Spire. We've got the C Spire Connerly Trophy presentation coming up tonight. It's going to happen here at the Country Club of Jackson. More with you coming up. College Football Fix is next. Plus, we will uh, have some fun conversations in the 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Brian Scott Rippey was in Oxford today covering the uh, Matt Luke press conference. We'll have full recap of that tomorrow on the show this afternoon. Uh, just got a text from Deuce McAllister. He is getting close, so we're going to chat with him coming up in uh, a little while as we get set for the C Spire Connerly Trophy. Deuce is the keynote speaker for the event tonight. Uh, former uh, C Spire Connerly Trophy winner himself back in, uh, let's see, when was it? 1999 when Deuce won it. Yeah. He was so good. Wasn't even the leading rusher for Ole Miss that year, though. In 99? Nah. Joe Gunn was. Was he? Yeah. All I know is if you needed a touchdown. You handed it to Deuce McCallister. And you were inside the four-yard line. Number 22 was getting the ball, and there was a good chance he was going over the top. And when he went over the top, he was landing about three or four yards deep in the end zone. I was still playing with Tonka trucks at that time. Deuce was kind of like a Tonka truck. I just want to let you know that. He was he was kind of like a Tonka truck. Yeah, yeah I just didn't know that I was. I don't remember much from 1999. I think my farthest sports memory, real, actual sports memory, is the Willis McGahee knee break national championship. There's another graphic injury. We just keep talking about it. Was that 2001? It was the it was January of '02, but no, January of '03 was the 2002 national championship. Yeah, that's my. I I don't know if I vividly remember anything before that. I'm sorry to hear that. Cooked a lot of food on a grill that night. (laughs) We had a big uh, national championship game party for uh, for that one. It's uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, which is brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank online mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. Do you have land financing needs of any kind? Whether you're a farmer or not, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land in Mississippi for 100 years. And if you're in North Mississippi and you've got needs, then they can help. You can find a branch location near you 
on the website, mslandbank.com. You can also find a phone number to give them a call. Great people that you will be dealing with. This is uh, uh, kind of the end of their year. It's been another outstanding year for the uh, the folks at Mississippi Land Bank. They continue to grow, and they continue to grow because of you and uh, you working with them, them working with you. Uh, it is a partnership and a relationship that you will uh, you will value for uh, uh, for many years to come when you do business with Mississippi Land Bank. Again, mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land. We're talking about age a second ago. I uh, one of the players for Stanford this past week in the uh, the games that I did in the Bahamas. Yeah, he's the youngest player in the Pac-12. He was born in the year 2000 and is now playing college basketball. I, I, I would not have been able to speak to him. I'd be like, I can't, I can't have a conversation with <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, you I and was, I are so different now. Ugh. I was 20 when you were born. Born in the year 2000. Yeah, I was 20. Uh, 25. You're getting 25. close to the, there you go. I'm old enough to be your dad age. That's my thing now. When I, you know, living in a college town, if, when, if I ever go to a bar and they card me, I like to look at the bouncer like, I guarantee I'm old enough to be your dad. Yeah. And, and nine times out of ten, they'll, they'll look at my ID and go, yeah, you're right. You're, you're actually <laughs> older than my dad. Thanks. Yeah, oh, isn't it, yeah. Is it kind of a compliment, though? Looking young. I want to be, yeah. I, well, not looking young. No, it's policy. It is policy. It's just policy. Uh-huh. I just like being old enough to be somebody's dad. I like I like I like getting respect. I want to be called Mister Hey Dad where I go. Does that happen very often? Nope. Yeah, I didn't think so. I uh, did not think so. So we were talking some about the college football playoff earlier, the SEC championship game uh, coming up this weekend. Do you like any of the uh, any of the matchups outside of the SEC championship game when you look at championship weekend? Is Texas Oklahoma the the one that really grabs your attention? Obviously, for you know, never mind. How often do you get a good rivalry? I mean, Alabama and Tennessee, correct me if I'm wrong, never met in the SEC championship game. That's probably the best SEC East-West rivalry that you – I mean, I guess Auburn-Georgia, they met last year, but Auburn-Georgia doesn't have the same thing for me. It's the Deep South's oldest college Eh, football rivalry. It's not the third Saturday in October, though. And so, yeah, no, Texas, but there's been balance, which actually makes it a rivalry instead of two decades of saying, domination. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not saying anything. Florida, Alabama kind of became a rivalry did, because, because the programs were so. That's where good. they met, though. They never met in the regular season. You just counted on them that first, that last weekend of the year. Um, I, I, I would say Texas, Oklahoma, and then I'll be honest with you, I got eyes on Northwestern, Ohio State. Why? Because I believe Ohio State could choke it away. Do you? I, they are, they're just a train wreck. You don't ever know who's going to show Hugh Urban up. Meyer and the pizza box and the golf cart. Don't tell oh, me that Pat Fitzgerald and his team won't be ready. Then. Pat Fitzgerald will have his team ready to play. He may not, be, may not be talented enough to get the job done, but they'll go out there and they'll punch Ohio State in the mouth and see what happens. Ohio State's probably just still too talented. Probably. But I I, so. I'll watch it. So when Michigan and Northwestern played earlier this year, Michigan won that game twenty to seventeen. Yeah, Ohio State didn't blow Northwestern out, did they? Did, have, I don't know if they, they played. Meeting, did they play each other for the second time? Maybe they're not. I don't believe so. Maybe they didn't play in the regular season. That was part of the deal with Northwestern, as they won uh, the Big Ten West because they got to avoid yeah. Ohio State, and I think they avoided Penn State as well. If I'm they have not played each other. If I'm looking, no, Northwestern. Yeah, they did not play Penn State. Correct. Okay. Uh, did not play Ohio State. Ohio State, yeah. Gotcha. This is the college football fix. It's driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. But more importantly, know that as we have gotten to the end of the year, it is the year-end sales event. 
that is happening at Ford, your local Mississippi Ford dealers. So a lot of really good stuff going on, a lot of great deals to be had as we close out on the end of the year. You guys are in, interested in a new vehicle? Now's the time. You can uh, go check out Ford for the year-end sales event. I do want to switch gears for a second away from college football to something that I've, I've been kind of pondering the last few days, and that's college basketball as it pertains to the SEC. A lot of buildup leading up to the start of the season, and it was all about how many teams in the SEC are ranked, how many teams can get into the NCAA tournament. You had eight that got in a year ago. What about this season? The SEC has not been great early in some opportunity games. Yeah. Florida State beat Florida by 21 on the opening night. Mm-hmm. Duke lost by 34, or excuse me, Kentucky lost by 34 to Duke. Mm-hmm. Tennessee had a great opportunity against Kansas this past weekend. Couldn't quite get it done. Had a lead at the half, couldn't hold on at the end. Um, there was another big one. It was, uh, oh, goodness. Well, Georgia has a couple losses already, don't they? Uh, Georgia, they do. Georgia does. LSU uh, yeah, yeah. lost, um, was a great opportunity uh, down in Orlando last weekend as well. What does all this mean early? Or does it mean anything? Hey, Deuce. It means it's early. It's early. Okay. Let, let it play out a little bit. And you can uh, you can live with that? I can't. You know, if we get into January and those teams are still – of course, if we get into January, they'll start beating each other up. But we'll see. Yeah. Deuce jumping into a, uh, a college basketball discussion. Did you play basketball in high school? I did. What, what team are you talking about? Well, it was just more of a, a general conversation about going into the year. There was so much – talk about the SEC and the step that it made a season ago with eight teams in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. and how good the league was going to be this year. And yet in some opportunity games early this season, eh, the league hasn't really fared all that well. There have been a bunch of missed opportunities as opposed to kind of living up to the early hype. Well, a couple things when you look at it. Is it a veteran roster? I think is one of the questions that you have to ask. I mean, or is it based off of potential? Particularly when you look at Kentucky, every year it's based off of uh, potential. You know, just because they have one-and-done players a right. lot of the time. Now, they do have a couple guys that uh, may get evaluation from the NBA and say, hey, look, you know, you need to go back for another year. And, and they've got three back this year, which might, which might be the difference for them. I mean, three that's an experienced John Calipari team. That's and the transfer, don't forget him well, the, from, the, from Stanford. Yeah, Reed Travis. Well, one of the things, uh, I think it was Duke that kind of humbled them early on in that, in that matchup. and um, that's, that's, that's the right word. Yeah, well, it, it humbled them a little bit. And, and so uh, you, you don't know if they've recovered fully. But I think also, and I guess that's the January piece where you come in and say, let's see how they fare or how the teams are faring then to kind of shake out and see will you get six, seven, or eight back into the tournament. Yeah, it's really incredible. Auburn, I've seen in person, they gave Duke all they wanted in Maui. That's a really good basketball team. Uh, Tennessee, neutral site game against Kansas this past weekend. That's a really good basketball team. But you know what the thing is about those? You, you mentioned Kentucky being young. Those two teams are full of veterans. Correct. And old wins in college basketball. As sexy as one and done is, Villanova was old. Last year, yeah. when they won the championship, Gonzaga well, Gonzaga and Gonzaga's old again, and, oh, and they're that, always going to be old. And, 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 correct, and so that's how they were able to upset uh, Duke. I, I guess that was Maui. That wasn't Maui. No, it wasn't Maui. That yeah. was a championship that was, that game was, in Maui. That was Maui as well. But I mean, they had a veteran group, and yeah. so I think I, I, I saw the end of that game. Uh, Duke decides to go ISO um, at the top of the, and, and and no motion, and and they were able to basically sag off and help, and you know, nowhere to penetrate. Yeah. 
I don't know if they get the right guy with the ball in his hands there at the end. Give it to Zion. Zion can probably create, but you probably had it in the right guy's hands. Okay. I mean, Zion is probably more of a, a matchup when it's more of an open and not necessarily when you're playing five on five. The multi-talented Deuce McAllister <laughs> jumping right into the college basketball discussion. We're going to spend a few more minutes with him when we come back. He is the keynote speaker tonight at the C Spire Connerly Trophy presentation, the 1999 recipient of the Connerly Trophy. we got more coming up at Sports Talk Mississippi live in the Renaissance Bank studio with you on this Tuesday. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky is in absolute hog heaven right now because he is getting to grill the radio analyst for the uh, for the Saints on uh, on what this team needs to do to continue to keep it going. He has dove off into a defensive secondary conversation well it's one that's valid though i mean it is probably a valid concern when you look at the numbers but then you you dive a little deeper into it and not to say eli apple is the answer but he's been a lot of the answer for what some of the issues with that team were i mean you had to find a corner opposite of marshawn Lattimore, and and he he, look he hadn't been perfect he hadn't been uh i I don't even know if i want to use the word outstanding but he's been consistent yeah and that's the only thing that you can ask and they look both of them have given up some plus 30 plays uh and and that will happen in the nfl but it hasn't been the seven or eight like it did against atlanta in game three and uh against uh tampa bay when you lost the first game of the year it's still hard to believe they lost that game (laughs) I know it's right out of the gate. You I score, get it. You score 44 points, but you give up 48. You had eight plays of 30-plus yards. You yeah. had two plays of plus 50 yards. And all those th- those are touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, uh, those are pure touchdowns. And uh, the quarterback ran for over 40 yards, which three of those, I think, were for first downs. And, and you know, those are just things that are backbreakers in, in, in that league. Yeah. You can't have a quarterback to scramble and pick up key third downs like he did and it was Fitch magic for him mm. and uh you know they, they, they get those guys in i guess two weeks so should be interesting little uh, little revenge perhaps deuce mcallister on your radio he has stopped by this afternoon he's the keynote speaker tonight for the 2018 ceasefire connerly trophy presentation and uh, not only a speaker but uh, a former winner as well you've been a lot of places and done a lot of really cool things uh, what does it mean to have your name on that trophy, to, to have that trophy to say that you were the best collegiate football player in the state of Mississippi? Well, I think it's an award that you definitely cherish, and I think it's an award that, you know, whether you're talking about individually or university-wise, it's one that's special. But it's really about the teammates. It's the guys that help you accomplish that. I mean, because whether you're a uh, wide receiver, the quarterback, offensive lineman, D-lineman, even de- defensive back, there were 10 other players yeah. on that field at that time that help you achieve some of the goals and things that you were able to accomplish. So I think it's just a combination of those factors and things of saying thank you to those guys and you being acknowledged for, you know, the the year that you and your, I don't want to say team had, but you personally, what you were able to accomplish. What will your message be to to the ten finalists that, that are on that stage with you tonight? Normally I can go up there with a blank sheet of paper. Right. And I... 
I actually wrote some things down because I want to make sure that I touch on some things that these young men will these young men will need. And you know, one 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 of the first things that for me it starts with is making sure that they wrap up that education. I think that will be critical. I mean, because look, I understand you have a couple of them that have an opportunity to go on to the next level. Sure. You know, and uh, for them, it's really hard to turn down. But for them to make sure that they wrap up that education as well. I can't promise any of them the NFL, but that education is critical for them. And so for them to take advantage of that and to make sure that they're giving back to the community, not only where they played football at, but their hometown, I think is obviously important. And then just thinking, thanking the individuals that gave up so much for them to be able to accomplish and do the things that they've been able to do because they haven't done it on their own. Yeah. And so just to be humble in that fact and um, just to make sure that they're continuing to work. The, the reality is football ends for everybody eventually. At some point. But one way or another, football at some point ends. At some point, it will definitely end. And whether you're fired or you walk away on your own, <laughs> that, that, that's just that's the, the, the beast. I mean, and so uh, some of those young men may have put on a jersey for the last time, and now they go into the real world. Some of them may have an opportunity to continue their education a little bit further. And so if that's the case, continue to let football open some of those doors that it already has for you. Looking ahead, Thursday night matchup Mm -hmm. coming up against the Cowboys. How big a deal is this? I think it's big in a lot of different ways. I know Sean has been over there a few times, but when we went over there, I guess 12 years ago, back in 06, it really meant a lot to him. And one of the reasons was because of Bill Parcells was the coach at that time. But I think just going back to Dallas, where he was really let go. I mean, uh, Dallas kept him, but they could have upped their offer to keep him, but they decided not to, and he became the head coach of the Saints. But uh, for him and this team to get to where they want to go, it's a very, very important game. And so for them, I think they're going to be locked in. Uh, The Cowboys need it. Uh, they can still qualify without this win. Makes it a little tougher. Makes next week a matchup with Philadelphia uh, for the Cowboys, you know, one that they have to have. So for the Saints, it, it keeps them in contention for the number one seed. But I was going to ask you, yeah. final thing, how important is it to lock up that number one seed so that you know home field is is there so that you don't have to go to Los Angeles, but you get to host that game in the Dome. Well, you're not really afraid of Los Angeles. I mean, so L.A. is still a growing market. I don't know if they have a true home field advantage. So you're not afraid to go to L.A. It was that, pretty good against the Chiefs last week. Yeah, that was because of all the points that were being scored. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> not necessarily because they were, you know, hauling defense, defense, defense. So that's one place that I, I, I will say, and I, and I know the guys, they're unafraid to go to L.A. Okay. But it would be the comfort and to play in the Dome and have that home field advantage would be outstanding. I don't know if you can lock it up until, you know, L.A. has to lose. Right now you have the tiebreaker with them, but you guys have the same record. And so yeah. they have to be able to lose at least one before you can think about losing one. So it's going to be down to the wire. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Two of the all-time really good guys now sitting right next to each other. I know you met just a little while ago, Jim Richmond from C Spire and Deuce McAllister. And we, 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 keep him, we keep him down on that end. Well, you know, we, I understand. We, I understand we, that. Well, the cord on my headset's not long <laughs> enough to come sit down by you guys. 
Uh, Jim, I know it's kind of cool to have Deuce here as the keynote oh, speaker yeah, tonight. It's great. Uh, it's, it's great. It's great just sitting here talking football. I mean, how, how great is that? You know, the Saints, great year they're having. I mean, it's just terrific. Well, I just want to thank you guys for being obviously a sponsor, but what you continue to do in our state to, you know, elevate our state and particularly for our high school athletes, our high school kids. Who, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times they you, you may not get the recognition, but with your help uh, and the programs that you guys do, just wanted to tell you, you know, as a former athlete, thank you. Well, we appreciate that. It is, uh, it really has been good. I mean, over the years, we've invested quite a bit uh, in sports in Mississippi because obviously there are a lot of folks who are very passionate about sports, football in particular, and do a lot uh, at the high school level as well as the college level too. So it's been great. So, and Jim, this is—is is this year twenty? That C Spire has been involved with the Outstanding Player Awards, twenty uh, or twenty one, is it? Maybe twenty one. I believe it was nineteen ninety seven when we okay. started. I believe that's correct. I believe that's he's, correct. He's trying to age us. Yeah, a how about bit. that? So. <laughs> Nineteen ninety seven. I was watching him play uh, play football in Oxford at mm-hmm. uh, at that point. Was that was ninety seven the year that you had the uh, the touchdown return against Arkansas? Uh, or was no. that ninety six? Not, no, that was uh, – See, now I'm aging him. 99. <laughs> 97, the first winner, was it – trying to think, was the first winner J.J.? Well, the, the, now this award started in 96. 96. Uh, uh, Stuart, Stuart Patridge. Stuart yeah, Stuart, Stuart Patridge won at 97, and then J.J. Uh, James Johnson from Mississippi State, State in 98. 98. Correct. Yeah, and then that, you were the, and, and the fourth was, winner in 99. That, that was SEC when, uh, when they went to the championship. Exactly, played Tennessee in the That's SEC championship game. His memory's sharp, man. Pretty That's good. Great, so. Pretty good. <laughs> Jim, what do we need to know about uh, about this year's class? It, uh, I know the online component for the fan vote yeah. has been uh, – Deuce, thanks for stopping by. So no, good to see you. No, no, no problem. I want to at least dress up a little bit there, so I'm going to go okay. change. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll let you do that. Looking forward to I don't tonight, think anybody so. would have said anything to you regardless, no, though. that's right. That's right. Um, looking sharp. So, so over 44,000 yeah, so. fan votes this year and obviously a lot of excitement. Yeah, so, you know, a couple of years ago we started that component of the, the voting. Of course, C Spire has nothing to do uh, with actual uh, voting other than the fact that we started online voting to create an opportunity for fans to be able to vote, and, uh, and that fan total, uh, our vote total from the fans uh, is uh, – figures into about 10% of the actual overall vote for the right. actual uh, award. So, uh, But, yeah, over 44,000 online votes this year, which was an all-time high, so that was uh, terrific. Uh, obviously, there's always a lot of enthusiasm for football around here, and uh, and I think that vote just shows that. So, I, I mentioned, I uh, was talking with Dave earlier and, and also with Bill Blackwell. One, one of the things to me that jumps out about this night, it's, it's not just about giving out a trophy. It's about celebrating college football in the state of Mississippi. Well, it really is, you know, because football is obviously all about about the team. And tonight is really about, uh, you know, patting these these guys on the back from an individual standpoint and, and their accomplishments, which is really terrific. Uh, it's it's just it's really great for us to be a part of this. It's a it's a, a great all the awards programs through the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame are always terrific. Uh, obviously, football is uh, is always uh, is always you know just a, it's a great turnout. The enthusiasm, just the environment in the room is always good, and I, I really expect tonight to be no different. It's really going to be exciting. A, a great partnership between C Spire and the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. But the fact is, you've just kind of outgrown the Hall of Fame. Got to go yeah. to bigger venues. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, you know, and that's something that we talked about years ago. 
as we were involved is growing this, and, and it's terrific to see that we've gotten to that, you know, to the point of, of the, we do need to move it out. And yeah. we always like hosting it there because it, it's great to be able to showcase that terrific uh, museum that we have with the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. But great partnership, and again, be a great, uh, great night tonight. So, you got a little bit more coming up with Jim Richmond from Ceasefire. We are also, if everything works out, scheduled to visit with uh, AJ Brown from Ole Miss and Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State as we count you down to the end of this show, but to the start of the Seaspire Connerly Trophy presentation. 23rd annual coming up tonight. More coming up when we continue on Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey guys, what, happened? what the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon. We're broadcasting live from the Country Club of Jackson, where tonight you will have the 23rd annual C Spire Connerly Trophy presentation. Also, the Kent Hall Trophy uh, will be given out as well. It's already been announced that Elton Jenkins, offensive lineman from Mississippi State, is the winner of that award. And uh, we're visiting with Jim Richmond from C Spire, and I uh, appreciate you hanging on for uh, a yep. few more minutes. That's great. This is, uh, this is a fun night, and... When you start going back, if you're a Mississippian and a college football fan, if you allow yourself to kind of go down memory lane looking at the previous winners, I mean, it's a who's who list. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. It's amazing when you do look back at the list and the players, and you know, and you know, it's just every year. Obviously, it's it's such an exciting time for football fans. And then again, just look at the history of the winners and and what. Uh, several of them have gone on to do from yeah. an NFL standpoint. It's pretty incredible. Well, I mean, you know, even in the last 10 years or so, you think about Anthony Dixon with some time in the NFL, Austin Davis in the NFL, Gabe Jackson in the NFL, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Obviously, the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Evan Ingram's had an unbelievable couple of years. Of course, Eli, you go, just the list goes on yeah. and on and on. So. Yeah. And then I think uh, I think there are a couple of guys that we're going to hopefully visit with tonight, and AJ Brown and uh, and Jeffrey Simmons, who've got a future at the I next believe, level as well. I believe so. They're at least Serious going to get players. an opportunity. Serious players. I mean, they're just incredible. So what's going on in Seaspire World? I know it's a whole lot more than just phones these days. Yeah, it is. It is been another good uh, year. Uh, we bought a company uh, mid-summer, I guess, a company based in Birmingham, a IT managed services company, which really has allowed us to greatly expand our products and service uh, services from a business standpoint. And so, uh, you know, that's also increased our footprint, again, from a business sales standpoint. We have, uh, gosh, offices now in Nashville and Birmingham and Chattanooga and Knoxville and Huntsville and really all over the place. So it's, it's expanded not only the product and service line, but also the territory, too. Uh, you know, we have customers already in about 30 six states across the the country so it's it's great and uh, of course wireless and home services all is we've had a very good year again uh, from those uh, those lines of business as well but really excited about our future uh, in a lot of ways a lot of good history for sure but really excited about the future and what we're trying to do from a business standpoint and just the solutions that we'll be able to bring to cut you know business customers and uh, you know again just continue to grow our company so it's uh, uh, have to give thanks you know we've, we've been very successful but uh, but we 
we're not done. We're rolling yeah. our sleeves up and uh, and certainly getting busy. So. Well, and interesting. I mean, if, if for people who know him or have spent any time with Hugh Mina, and certainly we we've done that along the way. He he's always been one of those that, from a leadership standpoint, okay, what's next? What's next? What's right. next? Press forward. And if you're not doing that, and you're sitting there trying to, you know, continue to make a living, you know, selling phones and and unlimited right. data, then right. you you probably aren't going to be around much longer in this space. But sure. when you figure out a way to evolve within the technology world, kind of kind of opens up some options. Yeah, that's true. And Hugh's got an incredible vision, you know, for the future. And obviously, we've had a lot of growth, a lot of success in the wireless. Uh, from the wireless standpoint for a long time. It, actually, this is our 30th uh, year in the wireless business. Uh, very successful there and cer- certainly proud of that. Uh, but really, uh, you know, again, Hugh led us uh, to really diversify uh, from a, a company standpoint and just grow in different directions. And, of course, that's allowed us to just push forward and create some great opportunities, you know, for future growth and uh, both uh, growing uh, organically but also, you know, from from a standpoint of like the company that we purchased uh, this summer. So great opportunity. I won't tell anybody. Okay. If you want to go ahead and tell us who the winner of the Connerly Trophy is tonight, <laughs> it, it, well, I'll just keep it between you and me. Well, I wish that I knew. I wish I could share oh, that Oh, I don't believe no, that. You know, uh, that's one thing. Uh, C Spire does a lot of things, but one of the things we don't do is we don't uh, vote on the, on the on the winner. So uh, there, There's an we, auditing firm somewhere that uh, will hand off the, is, uh, the results. But, uh, but, but we're very proud to be able to bring that opportunity. And really, again, like we talked about earlier, to be able to highlight and salute these these. Uh, players from an individual standpoint because you, know, you think about the hard work and the efforts that they put in not not only this season but you know throughout their lives i mean this is just a great opportunity again to salute them and and really pat them on the back so it's always a pleasure to see you thanks for it's for great. having Appreciate us here y'all, and y'all an exciting here night tonight it's uh it's great and uh, looking forward uh, to the event tonight so we appreciate it jim richmond so from ceasefire thanks jim thank you We've got more coming up. We're going to actually, we're not going anywhere right now. It's Sports Talk Mississippi live from the Connerly Trophy presentation. Uh, I think that'll get started. What about six thirty tonight when the uh, when the actual program will begin? Denver, uh, Denver dinner, and uh, and then obviously you're going to hear from uh, Deuce McAllister tonight, who we talked with just a little while ago, and uh, a great list of uh, of players that will be uh, introduced to the uh, to the crowd that's here tonight as well. Just kind of looking at, at some individual numbers as Brian Haydad and Michael Borky jump back in as well this afternoon. And um, I don't know from a handicapping standpoint, I don't know what the odds are on uh, on winners this year. What's the point of having sports gambling in Mississippi if there aren't going to be odds on this? Hey, man. You're Come preaching, on. You're preaching oh, to the choir. Okay, well, Mr. Handicapper, why don't you just handicap it for us? Who, who's the odds on favorite? Mm, it's a, a two-horse race. It's a two-horse race. Okay. And I, I would lean offense. Because that's how trophy presentations go. So I would lean Brown as the favorite because of the stats. Egg Bowl has sort of played a role the past few years. Yeah, good point. You, know, you think about the last couple ones. Uh, last year, you know, with AJ versus Fitzgerald, I think you know if, yeah. Fitz, if Fitzgerald plays the whole game and has his kind of game and wins the game, maybe he takes the trophy. Uh, obviously, I think back to uh, Bo Wallace versus Jonathan Banks. Uh, that that was one that I think swung on the Egg Bowl that year. But it was Dak Prescott that ended up winning the trophy Dak as a result. Won. Well, no, no, that was Banks, no, but Wallace won. Oh, you're talking about 2012, 2012 when Bo Wallace won the trophy. Yeah, and 20, 2013, Gabe Jackson wins 
Wayne State wins the Egg Bowl. Sure. Now, that now did, 2016 was an outlier, though. Evan Ingram wins the trophy. Over Fred Ross. But their stats, if you go back, they were so close to one another. I think Ingram had built up a lot of support throughout the year, and Fred Ross sort of came on strong at the end. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. But the, the Egg Bowl is definitely a factor for a lot of voters, I think. A.J. Brown on the year, uh, 85 catches. 1,320 yards. He averaged 15 and a half yards per catch, 110 yards a game, six touchdowns on the season. Yeah. Just uh, really outstanding numbers. Outstanding and underutilized at the same time. Yeah, you, you, you're going to keep beating that. I'm going to beat you? that drum. If you have a transcendent talent like him, he should have gotten the ball more than seven yeah. times a game. And especially in SEC play, only two touchdowns in SEC play. He had the same number of touchdowns in SEC play as Osiris Mitchell. From I feel like if you State. have red zone issues, Throw that it up to guy well, is a way to solve we, your red zone I said that issue. on Monday's show. I, I, came yes, out like, I, I will just I will ride and die with my best player every single time. And if it's first and goal and i got to get in and I don't feel like I can run it in, buddy, I'm throwing it up to A.J. Brown. Three. Four times. No, no, no. Four <laughs> times. Think about the NFL careers for some of the winners. Yeah. Of of the Connerly Trophy, um, did James Johnson get to the NFL? At a all? few years with the, with the Miami Dolphins, but okay. nothing you know, nothing of a big note there. Deuce McAllister, obviously the all time leading rusher in Saints history. Mm-hmm. Um, Eli Manning, two time Super Bowl MVP, still going. Did Rod Davis make it to the NFL? I think he did. I'm pretty sure he did so for for a short period of time. I mean, I'll, I can think. Um, just think on Wikipedia. Yeah, he played uh, three years in the NFL. Jerry Norwood. Good career with the Falcons. Absolutely. Um, Patrick Willis, who is retired, but an unbelievable for, – for the time that he was in the NFL. Well, on top of his game. Retired absolutely. at the top of his game. Could have played another three, four years. Did he do enough to make the Hall of Fame? He was the best linebacker in the NFL his entire short career. Is there sort of like a Gale Sayers comparison to be made here? That he dominated for such a short period of time, but he was he was the best. You can't take that away. I think that will be one of the really great Hall of Fame debates yeah. when, when his time comes. You, you've got to be out of the league five years yeah. uh, before you're eligible for the Hall of Fame. Um, and he's, what, only a year or so away from that? Yeah, he shouldn't yeah. be too much longer. Uh, Anthony Dixon, some some time yeah. in the uh, in the NFL. Uh, Austin Davis. Austin Davis. Still in the league. He is. I believe he's still yep. a backup. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, obviously, in, in more recent years, Gabe Jackson, Dak Prescott, Evan Ingram, uh, last year's winner, A.J. Brown, not there yet, but uh, that is coming pretty soon. And, of course, the other guy that we're talking about in, in it being a two-horse race is Jeff Simmons from yeah. Mississippi State, and uh, he's going to be a first-round pick. It's going to be a high – both of these guys are going to be high first-round picks. You've got four guys in the state that are going to hear their name called, I would wager, in the first 20 picks uh, of the NFL draft. And Jeff Simmons, for a year like this where there are so many – we talked about it all, all season, right, that – this the defensive line group in 2018. It's unbelievable. But Simmons has sort of he's really done a good job of shooting up that that list. And he, you know, on some draft boards, he's even gotten ahead of Ed Oliver, who a lot of people a year ago would have said hey, he's going to be the he's number had a one chance to pick. be the number one, number one overall pick. And he's he's Simmons is there. I've seen him as high as as, as fifth or sixth. So the four you think are, are AJ Brown, Jeff Simmons, Montez Sweat, and, and Greg, Greg Little. Little. And then if if he's healthy. D.K. Metcalf could get in that conversation. And then just depending on how the draft goes, because you never know who's picking what, Elton Jenkins could sneak his way into the, maybe the bottom half of the first round. Yeah, which That would be unbelievable. Six players from Mississippi. Yeah, and I, I, I don't see it this year with D.K. Metcalf. I, I just don't feel like he's going to be healthy enough to mm-hmm. go through all of the things that have to happen pre-draft. You understand why he makes the decision. Oh, yeah. To, to, to move forward. It was time get, to go. Get what you can get. Um, 
and you can't risk another injury the, like that. And the thought was, well, he got hurt, so he's going to come back. And, and my thought was, he got hurt, therefore he knows go. he's got to go get it's his time money to go. now. Quinn uh, texted us on the C Spire text line, says Mike Singletary said Patrick Willis was the best he'd ever seen. I, I really don't need much more endorsement. That's a reasonable yeah. Uh, endorsement. Yeah. Indeed. We're going to wrap things up with you. Coming up next, we'll talk with A.J. Brown when we come back to the C Spire Trophy, uh, Connerly Trophy presentation in the Renaissance Bank studio. is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you one last time on this Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks to Will East back in the studio. Good conversation with Deuce McAllister a little while ago. And now we welcome uh, the reigning Connerly Trophy winner, A.J. Brown, who uh, won it last year and uh, a chance to uh, go back-to-back. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, how are you, man? I'm good. Uh, I'm taking, taking it day by day right now, you know. Trying to trying to finish up. Uh, you got to finish up the academic part of the semester, yeah. so exams next week, mm-hmm. and uh, then there's some decisions that have got to be made, I guess, in the uh, in the coming weeks as well, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, this season for you, uh, obviously from a win loss standpoint, from a team standpoint, uh, not the way you you wanted it to finish. But tonight, maybe more than any other time during the year, is about individual, uh, and and you're being recognized uh, for what you pulled off. How do you evaluate this season from a production standpoint with what you did? Um, most importantly, um, I just try to answer the bell every time I, my number got called or this season. But uh, but me personally, setting individual goals, um, you know, I feel short again this year. Uh, so, but does know, that mean your goals are too high? Because come <laughs> on, now you've rewritten the record books: thirteen hundred twenty yards receiving this year. You averaged one hundred ten yards a game. You and I talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago. It was, um, I may have been after the Texas A&M game, where you become the all-time leading receiver in Ole Miss history. Mm-hmm. H- have you had enough time to kind of sit back and think about that, uh, what that means a little bit? Um, that's huge, honestly. Uh, breaking Shea Hodge's record, uh, that's a tremendous player. You know, uh, going back and watching his highlights out, like, after I broke it, you know, uh, that's a tremendous player. For me to do that is, is really huge, so. You know, so I'm blessed. So. Yeah, uh, and then also first ever to go back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I guess speaks to consistency and to some degree health. How hard is it to play when you're banged up? Because everybody, it, you go through an entire football season in the SEC, mm-hmm. you're going to be hurt at the end of the year. Or, or maybe not injured, but, but you're going to be banged up. How hard is it to grind your way through it? Um, it's very hard. Uh, playing with bumps and bruises, uh, you just try to find a way to get it done. Just being a pro at all times, uh Beginning of the season, uh, banged up. Don't know how I'm gonna go, but just trying to go. Uh, remember wearing the little rubber band thing on my leg just to get my hamstring just to go. You know, so <laughs> you've already signed a professional baseball contract. You've uh, spent some time with the Padres uh, in each of the last few summers. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the opportunity soon. I-, I know you haven't made an official announcement, whether it's this coming year or the following year to play in the NFL. Wh- when did you first dream 
of the opportunity to catch footballs in the National Football League? Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> I have to say Pee Wee days, uh, being younger. Then that dream kind of veered off a little bit, and I just wanted to play professional baseball. So uh, got a chance to do that. You know, so very fortunate and blessed to to, to do that. So you're gonna be a two sport guy. Yeah, I mean the- theoretically. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's great to see you. Congratulations on a fantastic season. Wish you all the best. Thank you. That's uh, that's AJ Brown. Uh, who is the reigning Connerly Trophy Award winner and uh, is the Ole Miss nominee for this year's award as well. And uh, we'll talk to another guy who has been nominated this year as well for Mississippi State, and that's Jeffrey Simmons. A, uh, a phenomenal year on the uh, on the football field. Congratulations for being nominated. That's yes, right. Thank you. Jeffrey, tell me uh, tell me about this season. Obviously, work left to do for you guys. Bowl game just around the uh, the corner. How do you evaluate your play? Because this is a, a night where it's about individual awards. How do you eva- evaluate your play this year? Well, just starting off with the team. You know, I'm uh, one of them guys who you know I, I'm not a selfish guy, and you know we've been through a lot as a team, and you know just keeping our head down, just working. And I think that just built our team, and that just comes from me being a leader, you know, owning all the field I'm doing, trying to do everything right. You know, I'm doing everything right, you know. Um, and, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of guys look up to me on the, um, fo- on this football team, on our football team. I just um, I keep my head down and just work. And just starting off with my play on the field, it, you know, I just every time I step on the field, you know, I play with so much passion. And, sure. You know, um, and that's just where I feel like everything comes from, from within. And, you know, every time I step on the field, I try to make as many plays I could. Jeff, you, you said trying to do the right things on and off the field. How have you grown as a person in the last three years? And it feels like three years that have gone by in the blink of an eye. Yeah, it went by fast. But I can say that, you know, just by this game of football and, you know, being in college, I'd have grown a lot because, you know, coming out of high school, you know, I had, you know, got in a little trouble sure. with that incident. But at the same time, you know, you know, that kind of helped me mature as well. You know, just being around you guys and my coaches and the people who are on Mississippi State campus helped me a lot. So, um, what would it mean for you to win the Connerly Trophy for the most outstanding player in the uh, in the state of Mississippi and in, in all of college football? Because there are a bunch of good ones. Right, right. It meant a lot, especially to the state of Mississippi, especially to the, um, the great University of Mississippi State. You know, coming through and especially God as a me. You know, being coming from what I came from, came coming from all the things I've been through and. Just feel like it'll be a great award for me. Um, Absolutely, um, and my family. So, only got about 20 seconds left. I asked AJ this a second ago. I know you still got a decision to make. You still got the bowl game, but the NFL is in your future. Whether it's immediate or a year from now, when did you first dream about that opportunity? Um, first when I started playing football. I started playing football when I was five. You know, I was one of them guys who always watched football. I had an uncle play in the league. I looked up to him. Yeah. And ever since then, I'm like, this, this is what I want to do. This is my. Um, by love. So. Well, congratulations on a great season, a great career, and uh, all the best tonight, man. Yes, Thanks sir. for stopping Thank by. You. Thank you. That's Jeffrey Simmons, defensive lineman for Mississippi State. He is the Bulldogs nominee for the C Spire Connerly Trophy Award, which will be given out tonight. Thank you for being with us all afternoon long. For Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Will East, I'm Richard Cross in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Good night. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.